Hello and welcome to the B&B Show. My name is Brandon, of course, and this is my cohort over here. That would be Brendan. And we're coming to you today with a nice little special show. Yeah, we're usually Tuesdays or Thursdays during the week, but we've committed to this year and we'd love to continue to do this uh, as part of kind of just a little bonus show for you guys, which is, of course, the prospect watch. A lot of folks get started up on taking a look at these prospects once the college season ends. And both me and Brendan have thought that there'd be a bit of value added in this whole process if we sort of watch and look at these guys that we're going over through the college season, keeping track of them, keeping a close eye on them, taking it less from necessarily, you know, the end result and going through the process with these players to make uh, and hopefully get to a better stage of uh, understanding who they are, what they are when we do get to the draft, who's the best fit for our Hawks team and, you know, who's got the best apps, upside, all of that stuff mixed in. So I want to thank Brendan for uh, jump, jumping in and joining us tonight. Brendan, how are you doing? My friend, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. All things considered, all things considered, especially coming off that last loss this past week. Um, well, we've got a, a array of uh, prospects to, that we want to dive into, so we're not going to mess about. We're going to get right into it. Before we've been looking at in bit different views of this uh, prospect watch. First, just who's the names you guys want to watch? Then who's kind of starting to early stand out? We've kind of reached the point of the season now, Brendan. Don't you believe where prospects are now starting to emerge? The cream is rising to the crop, rising to the top, and we're starting to feel for who's now maybe the kind of the best ones at their position as it's starting to look. Now, this process is an ever-changing one. That's the point of doing these shows over the portion of, you know, throughout the season. And these these are, what's the word, Brendan? Subject to change. But uh, we uh, we feel like these are the guys, as we've kind of taken a look at some of the tape and, and dived in on them, to feel like these are the guys starting to look like they're, they're they are emerging in that fashion. Right, Brendan? Yeah, we've basically seen most of what we need to see from the games. Uh, there's probably going to be a couple of late risers or maybe late fallers from the uh, uh, end of the season. Like, I, I think that C.J. Stroud last year did himself some big favors with that playoff game against Georgia. I don't think he would have gone as highly as he did if not for that game. Um, but most of the stuff we've kind of figured out, I think. I think, um, and generally speaking, the main determinator of draft positioning that remains is not the remaining games. It's the combine. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, most of, most of what the players have done up until the point of the season is going to be how they're going to be painted as the prospect they are. And then, and like you say, the combine pro days, senior bowls, these are things that now come into, you know, value later on down, downwind if you were, but we're getting a good idea on these guys where they're at what they're doing. So let's get it started off right off the top here, Brendan, with the position that I think is at the forefront of everyone's mind. It normally would be anyway for the average fan, but especially right now in the midst of this season, as there are some that feel like there are some question marks around the quarterback, some maybe not sold on Gino, some wanting to make sure that if Gino can't be the guy into the future, that we have a guy ready to go, waiting in the wings, quarterback of the future. Uh, Brendan, First off, is the season? I, let's get the prospects. Quick question: Do you feel like more now than ever throughout the course of this year that the Hawks are driving towards taking a quarterback, not necessarily in a high spot, but in this draft, we're coming out of one of our picks being a QB? It would be very surprising, and I think also a mistake to not. Um, this is a very good quarterback class, and I don't think next year's class is going to be all that good. Like, like 2025, obviously there's time for stuff to change, but you've got Shadur Sanders, who looks great, but then you've got Cade Klubnik, who could go one way or the other. We don't know yet. It's all mm -hmm. potential right now. It's not really any production. 
And uh, then you've got basically anybody who's going to stay back from this class. Like if Riley Leonard stays back, he probably becomes a first rounder in 2025, but he actually has to stay back. Mm. Uh, if somebody like, uh, I don't know, Quinn Ewers decides to transfer, he becomes a top pick next year, but he actually has to do that first. Yeah. So I look at that and I go, I don't think you're going to be able to do this next year. And you've set this up very well. Geno Smith is your quarterback for the rest of this season. Next year, you lose Drew Locke. You go into the 2024 season. Geno's your starter until such a time as it no longer makes sense for Geno to start. And then you've got your rookie quarterback to go in. Unless Geno just keeps the job forever because he's playing so well, which, hey, that's a good outcome too. But Amen. it seems to me that things are set up very well to play like that because that final year of Geno's contract has very, very low guarantees, very easy to get out of. So to me, that seems to be the obvious play. Yeah, it would seem that way to me too, where you uh, just hedge your bets here a little bit um, and and kind of try to make it work from that fashion of things. And like you say, the quarterbacks in this draft, when we did this last time, Brendan, uh, it looked to us like there were three emerging first rounders at quarterback and probably not anything more than that. Has that changed in the progression of this college season by your eyes? Um. I, I've got four guys with okay. round one grades. I'm okay. very hesitant about two of them. But when I put together my big board, I just couldn't get – I couldn't figure it any other way. I'll put it like that. Like, if I, if I can't find 32 prospects who I think are better than you, then you're a first-rounder regardless of how I feel about you personally. That's true. That's true. That's part of what we're trying to do here is project where these guys are going to go on top of what they are uh, as a prospect. So – Let's get into, and with the quarterbacks, we're probably going to go as deep into this positional group as any other because, like, we're talking about the top. This is the one that I know you guys are most uh, wondering about and maybe the most important to consider coming into this draft. Has uh, has the Drake may overcome Caleb Williams fever overtaken you, Brendan? Um, man, Drake May's had a weird season, it feels like, hasn't he? Like, yeah. I like him, but he's had some games where he's got, like, sub-50 completion percentage. And he still has, like, 400 yards, but his completion percentage is, like, 42. Mm. I don't know. It's it's just kind of up and down, left and right, weird. His team, I mean, his defense is not very good, obviously. His defense has blown some very winnable games here. Kinda, uh, I guess both these top quarterbacks have something in common, but... um yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not seeing it. I I, uh, I know Caleb went through that little bit of a rough patch where he lost a couple games, and uh, he had that Notre Dame game, which was the worst game he's probably played since he was five years old. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I was watching him in that Washington game, and it, it's not fair. Some of the stuff he does, some of the situations he turns into a positive from a negative is just, I, I, I don't. I, I don't know how he doesn't become a Hall of Fame quarterback in the NFL. He's just so good. Yeah, I, I likewise am not moved into that direction. I, I'm a guy that, has, as I've seen Drake May's stock seemingly out there in the universe going up and down at times, I still have found myself throughout this going, he's going to still end up being a minimum top 15 pick um, and, and most likely uh, much higher than that. But like you say, with Caleb, there's something special about what he's doing out there. Uh, or he has something special to him, I guess, not what he's doing out there. And he's the supporting cast. They just fired their defensive coordinator there. Uh, it's been horrible for them defensively. His offensive line, I don't think, has held up over the course of the season relatively well for him. It seemed like, especially against Washington, he was on quite a – and it wasn't just 
Braylon Trice, guy we'll talk about there, the kid on the opposite side was given almost as much hell uh, to Caleb as well. He was just under a lot of pressure. And um, that, uh, as we talk about with Gino this year, it's a kind of a common sentiment over here that does affect how you play the position, doesn't it? And uh, affect, you know, wh whether or not you're going to uh, do well or, or sometimes have to feel like you got to just go out there and be the superhero guy, which is what Caleb's had to be this year. But he makes so many throws. He's got the arm strength. The questions come in on him right now that I'm hearing, would you say this is fair that – well, he's going to have to be like a Russell Wilson quarterback in the NFL. He's going to have to play off script in order to find – he can't play on script. That's that's kind of the knock on Caleb right now. I'm not convinced that's true. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously that's his strength, right, to, to make crazy stuff happen out of nothing. Yeah. But I'm not convinced that that's the only thing that he can do. I, I think that you put some structure around him – you're going to see some good things. Like I, I think that he is playing extremely well within that Lincoln Riley offense. Yeah. And um, I, I, I do think I continue to believe that he is one of the three or four best quarterback prospects I've ever. Oh, I, <gasps> like I, I put him up there with the John Elways, the Andrew Lux, the Trevor Lawrence's um, he's the full package. The only thing you can say about him is size. And mm -hmm. we talked about this. He is a little bit smaller than a guy like a Patrick Mahomes. He's smaller than Andrew Luck, but he's not small. Like Jaden Daniels is small. This guy's just not big. Yeah. Uh, but arm strength, uh, improvisational skills, mobility, arm strength, it, it, everything is here. And I cannot believe his instincts in the pocket sometimes. They just blow me away. Yeah, he's he's the definition of a magician in the pocket with his feel and ability to get away and just has some kind of un, un, unorthodox way of getting out sometimes in the pocket and the way he can move his body. And he's just athletic and just kind of incredible with that. He's I agree with you, too. You have a great point about the size to him. Guys can there's different versions of six, one and a half, six, one. There's guys six one that are going to be like Matt Corral a couple of years ago that was probably 170 pounds soaking wet. That's least how he looked on a football field. And this guy who looks legitimately 220, 225, he's got a solid lower half. He, he just he looks like he's going to be able to hold up at the NFL level. I I have found myself creeping a little bit back, a little bit off of the getting to the Elway Lux stuff of it, where I, I almost kind of feel like he might be just a smidge short of that. But that's still not to say a guy who isn't fully capable of becoming a Hall of Famer. Just that the size part got me a little bit with it when I think about it on him, especially operating within. I, I believe he can do it and operating on structure and all that stuff, Brendan. But that's the one part that I have a little bit of a, a little question with that six one. Is that going to inhibit him at all um, on that size standpoint of, you know, making those on time throws? Because as we see in the NFL, it's yes, you can do the scrambling thing and go and you can make some great plays. But like Wilson learned when he went with the Jets, you know, you can't make that holy what you tried to do as a quarterback. You've got to have this the structured stuff you can pull off too. Right. Let's get to the uh, third guy here on our list. I think I agree with you on Drake, by the way. it's He's great arm talent, everything physically prototype you'd want, uh, but there's the accuracy not always there and production's not going to be top notch and there's some up and down moments for a guy who a lot of people are looking at going number two, number three overall in this draft. Yeah, I have him fifth on my big board, which is still good, but a couple guys I like a little bit more compared to the average big board. I think that's very fair. I, I might even have him a smidge tiny bit lower than that, but that's very fair. Yeah. Uh, let's get to our third QB, which is one that many uh, uh, Huskies in our audience are going to love to hear that we both think is going to go in the first round, though I think that this is going to start to get to be more of a consensus. Michael Benix from the University of Washington. Brendan, is this your third? He is mine. 
Um, I kind of go three A, three B right now. You got to pick uh, one, man. I'm not at letting gun you. Gunpoint, I'm, I'm, though. I'm, I'm my number you. three. At I, at number three, I'm still. I'm gonna go with yours. I am. Oh, I, I, I I'm a little. This was tough, but I look at Quinn Ewers and I see a guy who has a lot of things that I do like, and I can I can see it working really easily in the NFL. Penix, there's a lot of stuff that has to go right. Even though <laughs> I know Penix is a better player, especially like right now. I mean, that's not even fair. Ewers is injured right now. He's not even playing. But I look at that and I just say, who would I rather stake my franchise to for the next 12 years? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at Penix. I know he's going to get hurt if he gets hit enough. I just know it because that's his whole career. The I look at him in a college system that has found a way to allow him to basically never get hit. He gets hit like twice a game because of that system. And because of that, it works. But I don't see that happening in the NFL. You can't play quarterback in the NFL and expect to only get hit two, three times a game. That's not realistic. Um, unless you're bringing the exact perfect offensive system with him, like maybe the team that drafts Penix also gets to hire DeBoer as their head coach, which I mean, I, I hope not. But even if that, I mean, so much has to go right for Penix to pan out in the NFL, I think. And then you have the age and then you have him having probably the second best receivers in all of college football. There's enough there that I did end up putting a first round grade on him, but I didn't feel very good about it with Quinn. Um, I, I think I like his arm a little more than you do. I do think his arm is a little bit better than you seem to. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's uh, I, I look at some of those throws he made against Alabama and I'm like, that, that looks like an NFL arm to me. That looks like a really good NFL arm. Mm-hmm. And I like what he's doing in terms of the improved mobility. I think most of his games this year have been really good. And um, I don't know. I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do Penix number three. Uh, my number three is Quinn Ewers. Yeah, I think uh, it's uh, certainly fair. I think every the, the criticisms brought up on Penix, I think, are it's a matter of whether you're willing to kind of sign that waiver form as an NFL team uh, to sign up for Penix, where the arm talent's just so true and you love the upside so much that you're you're going to take that risk versus a little bit of maybe a safety safer situation there with Ewers uh, to go to him. Um, and Ewers, I do have uh, much later as far as in my my outlook on it. I'm going to be with Ewers. I think a lot different than maybe a lot of pro personnel departments will be with it, um, where I think that they might be a little bit closer in alignment where you are um, in your outlook of it. Uh, I just go back and I I see the Alabama film and uh, you know let's take the you know the throw he makes over the top, which is I think the the pretty throw that stands out to everybody where he throws you know 60 yards up over the top. But when I go back and watch the rest of that game, there's so many throws within that they're just simply him just peppering the ball. Um, you know, Sark in a lot of ways has got a lot of the same kind of components of his offense being run like Penix's, um, almost even more so with the bubble screen, tunnel screen, just getting the ball out of your quarterback's hand all the time. It kind of, to me, it, it does get run like the epitome of that college offense, which is just sort of peppering the ball in real short doses where you see his arm town occasionally, but it's not like he's stepping back there, letting it rip, playing and play out, throwing you know, 15 yard post routes here. And I know that's not college football to a degree, but it's just sort of like a couple wild throws a game for me. Don't necessarily instruct me that, you know, you're going to be able to make the, the intermediate throws and the accurate throws in other spots. Um, he's not a bad prospect to me with Kenny, when but to me, you combine that with the fact that you got the injuries he's gone through this year, 
Um, I think he had it last year too, as well. If I'm not mistaken, he got injured against Alabama last year too. Um, and then you also add into it that the mobility factor comes into play here. So, I mean, the injury thing with Penix does kind of fit into there a little bit with yours as well at this point, maybe not to such an extreme degree, but it does factor in. And then you factor in that he did get more mobile because he lost weight because he signed, decided to finally commit himself. This is kind of my warning bell sign too, as well. You have a five-star pros quarterback who's got kind of the pudgy body coming out of high school who doesn't look like he's kind of, you know, like he's kind of gliding by on what he's got. And then like, there's this big, you know, huge thing made up about the fact that he dropped this 15 pounds and now he's a little more mobile. He's, like, he's more mobile. He's not mobile now. He's more mobile. He was a statue before that could barely move. Now he's got a little bit of mobility. But once he gets to the NFL, he will be viewed a lot more alignment of a guy that's like a statue more than a guy that's like even a Daniel Jones type of guy. So this has him drop down to me, even though he does become the fourth quarterback for me on my board, Brendan, I have him in more of a high third place in the way that I look and view him right now. Um, first, you know, I know like you're not alone on this, by the way, it's not a, you're out there on the Island on this one. There's going to be a lot of people that he's going to get a lot of buzz for that first round potential status. If he does go back um, and, and uh, declare for the draft or come back or transfer, like you said. Yeah. Another element with Quinn Ewers that I think needs to be mentioned is his leadership. And that's something that I believe that uh, Schneider, when talking about Quinn Ewers, has really been a very uh, complimentary about. And that's something that he seems to really value. And that seems to be something that he really sees with Quinn. So I know that's kind of an abstract thing right now because we don't know how he would be a leader in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But um, there does seem to be a little bit of that going on. And uh, I, I think that does move the needle for me as well. That's a fair point. You, you, it, it's the hard part for me to judge on that. Um, cause I don't, I can't see in the kid's head at all. And that, and that's, you know, you can read stories or anything, but a lot of these stuff is you'll get pieces brought out by the college programs to make their guys look great. Um, not to say that's what's going on here. You're right about John Schneider having reportedly an affinity for uh, Quinn Ewers in the background of things on this. Um, let's go to a couple other quarterbacks down the line here. Um, we can, we don't have to spend a, a ton of time yeah. on these guys, but we can kind yeah, of just, just to, uh, just to uh, lay things out real quick, though, so my, I go number three Ewers, number four Penix, and you go reverse. Yeah, I I go Caleb Williams, Drake May. Penix is a first round quarterback to me. He's going to be a top fifteen quarterback to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also believe that the arm talent is so good, and the production's been so great the last couple of years. All the points you made are completely valid and on point. I'm not trying to take away from that, but. I, I think that when I look at what he's done versus yours, who's the now the past two years, I believe has had season ending injuries. Um, and then as I remember it now, that's absolutely what happened the year before is I remember watching that Will Anderson tape of that Texas game a lot. So um, it's a guy we talked about who actually injured him, Brendan, which is one of the things we're going to have to speak about with Dallas Turner, because that's his whole thing. MO is that he's supposed to be kind of a QB taker out or hitman kind of guy. Um, but with Penix to me, the he's just, He's had to make some more big time throws. When I, Ewers can make the big time throws. Penix has been asked to make these big time throws more consistently throughout the last two years. And I, I think that even though he isn't a much of a manufactured offense as Texas is to a degree, DeBoer still does have him air that ball out. Part of it is that he can trust his playmakers to make those trust throws like he did this year where he's in the back of the end zone, Brennan, and he throws that 55-yard throw out. To, I think it's McMillan just kind of tosses it up there for yeah. him. Um, but at the same point in time to me, I, I think that he does have a stronger arm, I think, than yours. Um, the delivery is way different between the two of them. Um, I think the mobility is probably the same, if not a little bit more better mobility for Michael Penix. 
but I just think he's got a little more wow factor. If you're going to get a quarterback in the first round, you want that. I don't know if I get as much outside of the occasional throw with viewers of the wow factor. Probably right. And don't get me wrong. I think that Penix is doing a much better job with the things that he can control. Like he is doing a brilliant job with the things that are in his control. He can't really control the fact that he's made of glass. That's not his fault. But I do believe that it is the case. Yeah. And there's a lot of evidence for that. And it's the big, huge part of the risk at the front of this stack that if you take them, like you said, you're going to have to get your offensive line right. You're going to have to get your protections right. You're going to have to get your scheme right to make sure that you're, you know, being aware of that. And if you are, I think you can maximize his production. And I'm going to build into the thought process that whoever takes him, Brendan, is make is doing that math and deciding that they're going to go that direction and understanding that if they do, this is the guy that he can be. If we put those elements together, what they show to Washington is this is the guy, this is the potential, and that's what these guys having these kind of college seasons do is they're showing you the potential of what they can be. Do things got to be made right for him in a way that may not have to be right for some of these other guys we're going to talk about even deeper down this list into the second and third round? You know, guys who might be able to overcome if things isn't perfect around them? Yeah, sure. But the arm talent is is legit. The arm strength is legit. Uh, fairly quick release overall. A little tiny windup, but not too bad. And uh, he can make every throw in the book. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with all that. I just I, I just hope that when he gets to the NFL, he's able to utilize these things. Yep, it's fair point, man. He's got to be on the field to do it. Whoever whoever drafts him, better put him bubble wrap. Get those get those '80s shoulders pads, Brendan. You know the kind that went out to like here and put him. He's like, I can't throw. We don't care. We're we're, we're protected. The big the big knee pads. You ever remember the old? Now they don't wear knee pads. Remember the old school knee pads were those things were like a foot square footage around the knee who's your uh fourth quarterback on uh or f- i guess we're at the uh, fifth who's your who's yeah. your number five um, i go with my first round two quarterback uh cam ward of the washington cougars another wow. back 12 guy uh his season kind of got upended by the fact that washington state is really really bad um they don't really have any other good players besides him and Jaden hicks Mm-hmm. But I continue to be impressed. I like his arm talent. He doesn't have a huge arm, but he puts a lot of good zip on the ball. Great pocket presence. Some mobility. Not not like uh, not like some of these other quarterbacks. Not like a Jaden Daniels, but he's able to use his mobility very well to evade pressure. Um, do, has had some really impressive games, despite not having anything going on around him. I continue, despite the fact that his season did kind of go in a bad direction, and Wazoo's now going to be fighting like hell to make a bowl game. I still really like him, and if he does come out in this draft, I don't know if he has to or not, I still look at him and I go, let me put a real team around that guy, and I think he's going to be good in the NFL. Yeah, he was a guy that has dipped down a little bit for me because I was looking for that performance to come to come up a bit more this year and, and see where he was going to be at with that, and... Um, it's not been necessarily as, you know, awesome there with it. Um, so I'm, it, it, it's hard though. Like you say, it's hard to just differentiate between where it's on ward and where it's on potentially really the supporting cast around him. <laughs> you couldn't kind of find two difference of uh, that supporting cast between what you have with Penix and what he's able to work with first, what war has. And I, I love how much of a gunslinger he is. I do have all of these quarterbacks we're going to talk about here soon in this, or that we're talking about in this kind of realm, all kind of in the same sort of third round range. So for me, <laughs> I think they all have very tantalizing upsides. 
I think there's some downsides with them too. I don't think that they're clear in the second, first round range to me um, in the way that I look. I could see them all being a little bit overdrafted though because of the need of the teams that are out there. There's so many quarterbacks, that so many teams that want quarterbacks and I, that's going to push these guys all probably up into the second round. But I can't quite get there with Ward having a year he's having this year, which might be arguably worse than the year he had last year. I, I have an issue with, you know, having a quarterback I'd put up into that range quite at that point with, even though it's not all his fault, man, I'm, I, I don't want to seem like I'm burying him for it. Um, and he's got a lot of good things he brings to the table, including like you talk about some underrated mobility to him. But uh, I do just have a little bit of a struggle with that aspect of, would like to see a little bit more of a stronger season here in this final year before he's declaring. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can get behind that. I, I still think he's a second round guy as of right now. Um, <clears throat> about a month ago, we were both talking about him as a guy who had a chance to ascend up to round one. I don't think he did that. I don't think he did that, mm. but I'm not ready to push him down because that Wazoo team is, is bad. Um, I, I, I just, I just feel like round two seems about right. I think it's a fair point. I think it's a fair point. And uh, again, that drive, these guys getting driven further up, man, when we go eventually into this off season, going through the teams that need quarterbacks, I think it's going to be very clear to us that we go, Oh my God. Yeah. Somebody's going to be, pushing on these guys much faster much quicker than we might have thought they should have gone at because teams are really needing these qbs right now um a couple of little things really get to these gavin uh gavin kg you uh thank you for becoming a member i think you became a member last night for me i think you become a member for right now for brendan so uh it's going back and forth brendan because he was our guy last night on that too so thank you for that gavin appreciate you uh thank becoming you, a member of the welcome channel aboard. welcome aboard the channel seahawks og Thank you for the $5 donation. It says, for fun, USC to Big Ten with that D and no Caleb. Riley flames out 2024. Would Riley be an NFL, would Riley be a better NFL offensive coordinator than Waldron? Ooh. Wouldn't Riley just follow Caleb to wherever he goes <clears throat> and probably be a head coach, not a coordinator? I know in this... In this scenario, he's flamed out, but I don't think he'd have to dip down to an offensive coordinator job if he wants in the NFL. Well, I think he's saying no Caleb. I mean, Caleb's gone. Like, he's gone to the draft. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying that wouldn't he then oh, go coach whatever team oh, Caleb went to? That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, yeah, I think that if he's going to choose an OC job, he's going to want to be choosing one that's going to set him for success, and he's no doubt believes in no doubt believes in Caleb. So I think that oh, would yeah. be the, his, his probably progression. That's a great point. I didn't consider yeah. it. So I think uh, Brendan's knocked this one out the park on that answer, man. Um, if he's getting fired this year uh, and he's not going to just go to another college program, but go to the NFL and then it's an old, and he's not, no one's going to hire him yet. I think as a head coach, it would be an OC job. So, you know, where's Caleb going right now? Uh, uh, what? Chicago at this point? Uh Arizona, Chicago. I mean, honestly, if I'm him, I'm not going to either of those teams. <laughs> I know, but if he's got Riley going with him, maybe it's different too. And maybe yeah, he suddenly starts to, starts to drop some of that like requirement where he's like, well, well I get my college coach. How much is Maine? Gannon looking over his shoulder if Riley's mm -hmm. there as his OC? Yeah. <laughs> he's already on this like shaky ground. Then they bring uh, New England is in the race. I think the Giants are going to be there. They're not winning another game this year. They they got yeah, yeah. they're rolling with Tommy DeVito. Yeah, DeVito. Yeah, I think uh, probably the Giants, which will be, uh, and the Giants might be very well moving out coaches too. So that then opens the door even more for a guy like Riley if he's not going to 
But I think Riley stays at USC. I don't think that he was looking to come in there and just flip this around that quickly. You think um, Dable's uh, two and done? You think he's going two and out? He's got some freaking bad moments this year, freaking out on the sidelines. Every time I watch him lose, he's over there just – he looks like a mad Santa, dude, an angry Santa. He's just <laughs> – and he's screaming off the sidelines, and he just seems like he's a little untethered and chaotic and has not the control that he wants to have on the team. And if I'm watching that from an owner in the box, I'm going – it doesn't seem like we're moving in a good direction, you know, and he had to have signed off on that Daniel Jones deal. In my opinion, that's mm -hmm. an indictment on him. You know, if you thought that was a smart thing to go out there and do, um, I, you know, maybe it's not, but I would think that he, he would listen to your coach a little bit on making that big monster swing for a quarterback where you're given a contract. That's all about what he's supposed to do in the future, not about what he's done, but uh, we'll see. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that giants team, Every coach they hire lately gets two years and then they're out. McAdoo, um, the uh, uh, Joe Judge, uh, Pat Shermer, and 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 now Dable. Like eventually, don't you have to go past two years with somebody? I got you, man. I got you. I'm gonna I'm gonna blow your I'm gonna blow your skull off with this one. Mm -hmm. Brian Dable's fired. The New England Patriots fire Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick goes back to his roots, back to where he defensive coordinated and won a Super Bowl championship under Bill Parcells back in the 90s to the New York football giants. And the first move he makes coming into the doors to hire Riley as his offensive coordinator is he's about to go and draft Caleb Williams. No, I mean, that would put the Giants back on the map. You, you know the NFL doesn't like having these New York teams be so bad. So that, that would, would be... That would be like the year LeBron went to the Heat in free agency in terms of like suddenly injecting this ridiculous amount of life into an organization. I mean, no matter where you think with, with Bill on, okay, Bill can't do offenses. He needs a Tom Brady type. But if you give him a Tom Brady type, he can make it go. Well, you're giving him a maybe a, a Tom type here with a Caleb. And then to go into New York with some good talent across the board defensively, he can work with too. I mean, I'm just saying, Brandon, if New York Giants, you mentioned you're right. Giants have gone through what? Joe Judge. Remember the the guy with the McAdoo and the yeah, mustache? McAdoo. Like, he had the weird last name and the funky mustache, like the combo. Yeah. Uh, like it's it's been horrible for them. So they do need to go, in my opinion, go make a, a bigger legit hire. And it was funny a couple of weeks ago we were hearing, I hope Belichick's gonna get a contract extension, which turned out to be seemingly BS that in fact, that was his camp kind of trying to leak that to maybe kind of stem up some of the in-house internal strife going on. But then they lose this past week to the commanders after they bail on their edge guys at home in Foxborough. I'm just saying, Brandon, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I heard a report that Belichick might get fired if they lose to the Colts in Germany this week. I don't yeah. know if I buy it, but I mean, it's not impossible. Yeah, I mean the fire in mid-year Bill Belichick, I can't see as being a move that makes a lot of sense. That's that that would seem like a respect thing that you would accommodate a coach like that. Um who's accomplished what he's accomplished. I mean, he's he just won a Super Bowl like four years ago or something. I I you I think you gotta go let him go through the year at that point and call it a day. But you know, I mean, I guess they're the they're they're bringing out the pitchforks out there in Boston, I guess, huh? Goodness. Yeah. I I don't know how to feel about it, but that that's a fun theory, right? Belichick, New England, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams going to New York. 
I could see it. And then, then right Lincoln Riley's like, okay, I couldn't make USC work, but I have my pathway to being a head coach in the NFL at some point. I'll take over for Belichick when he retires in another three or four years. So, I like it. Thank you, Oju. What a great uh, topic. You sent us on a, you sent us on a trek on that one, man. <laughs> we went, went down the line with you, but appreciate you for the dono. Addison Shovel, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, super excited for the Rams game. I will be there. Oh, well, let's go. That's a hell of a stadium, I understand, to go out there and check out, man. It sounds like it's in a, an event into itself, doesn't it, Brendan? Going into the, uh, into the uh, L.A. Was mm-hmm. it what it cost? Five billion, five billion dollars. Yep, they knocked down Hollywood Park for a overpriced, uh, ugly modern stadium. It is an ugly one, man. It has no like personality or for putting that much money into it, you'd like. I don't know. I expect some marble statues or something. I guess it's just just looks like another stadium to me, you know. But, yeah, let, let's think about these uh, recently built stadiums because the new. Uh, the new giant stadium that that place I think sucks too. Yeah. Like, I don't like that place. That place looks uh, like the best from the outside. It looks, mm-hmm. it looks good on the outside, but then you go on the inside and it's got no, there's no, there's nothing to it. Um, Jerry world seems like it's kind of cool, but I don't, I mean, it, it's not cool for the team that plays there because there's no home field advantage. Because every yeah. team, every opposing fan treats it like a vacation. So they never have like a majority Cowboys fans in the stadium, it feels like. I feel like Jerry World just has to happen. If Jerry Jones is the owner in Texas, that kind of stadium to that size, those proportions has to be built that way, right? It just has, it fits to type a bit where it is completely not, it doesn't have the personal feel to it, but it does have a personality to it. It is a thing. It's just like you say, not necessarily a, a home field advantage. Like, ooh, um, most of these new stadiums just aren't very good. No, how about Detroit? You like Detroit? It's relatively new. That seems okay. That's Isn't right. Ford Field like twenty years old now? Though, how? When did they yeah. redo it? Yeah, I still the Vikings is brand new. That yeah. seems okay. It's be- way better than Metrodome. Metrodome was like playing in a a closet. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. I guess that's kind of it. I think ours is still kind of the best as far as just uniqueness and one end looks a little different from the other end and you have it near the, you know, why they can get some really cool shots of the water in the background and, and when they're in the between points. But uh, they certainly don't do like baseball does at times. Like they don't really seek to try to grab a personality for their stadiums when they build them now. It's just like, just make it normal the way it is. <laughs> just do it the way. You know, you only get one chance at your stadium. You gotta, you gotta think of it through a little bit more. That's what I'm saying, man. It's going to be there for 40, 50, 60, sometimes 100 years on this stuff. You know, give it some thought, you know, make it a little bit, give it a little bit extra. Okay. So who's your QB5? We talked about Cam Ward. What's your QB5? My QB5 would be Bo Nix. And Bo Nix to me is uh, a bit of what I would say. There's a lot of stuff with with Michael Penix actually and Bo Nix that they have similarly to them that they're not anywhere near the same players, but that you're you're going to need to bring them in and fit them exactly to your scheme as opposed to bringing them in and having them onboard your scheme. Does that make sense? And I, I guess what I mean by that is that it's, he's not a guy to go back there and go, go a lot of times through multiple reads or do a lot of uh, improv improv past. I'm going to go run him with it. I'm going to go just be escapable. He's got some of the better legs. I think you'll find in this draft um, in, in his ability to get away. Like he's going to run, I think probably a four five forty, and he's going to be a combine 
tester to the maximum when he goes out there. I mean, he is, but he's got a really strong arm. He can go kind of, you go, okay, you know, Bo, here's what we're going to do on this play. You know, you're going to go read option. You're going to go over to your first read. Then you go here, or you're going to go read option, look the safety off and then come back here. And if everything's really easily scripted up for him, he can really excel in that kind of environment. And so much like with Penix, he's going to need an offensive line in place. He's going to need a scheme that, um, to me, this is like a Niner kind of quarterback or a Dolphin kind of quarterback, um, where if it's it's really schemed up around the plays, really creative and what it's doing to set up, he can execute it perfectly. But if you ask him to go off script, if stuff starts going to hell, he's got to start, you know, kind of get into a place of of improvising. Then he's just not the same, you know, kind of player. But from a tool standpoint, size, mobility, um, arm strength, relative accuracy, relative accuracy. Um, he's got those items that he checks off the box, but, uh, I do see his, like I said, with the, all these guys now at this point, to me, they're more third round, third round range. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Bo Nix was tough for me. I mean, he's having an amazing year. Let, let's be clear about that. He, uh, if Oregon was undefeated and had they beaten Washington last month, I think he would be the Heisman front runner. But that one loss has kind of derailed it a little bit. He's still up there, and he could still win it if they win the Pac-12. Like, like he is con- the his consistency is something else. Every game, it feels like he's just performing. But I, I can't stop looking at him and thinking Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. I, I just I look at him and I see, yeah, this works really well in college for this really good Oregon system under Dan Lanning, who's a really good coach. It works with this array of talent. He's got one of the best receivers in the country, by the way, in uh, Troy Franklin. Um, but in the NFL, it's going to be Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill's a fun player, but he's you can't build your franchise around him. It's definitely a pick that's going to require teams, I think, to have to build a really solid supporting cast around him. I say this, though, Brendan, if you're talking about a guy that you bring into a team like ours, for instance – where they get to take over an offense like this with so many playmakers and you're just having him distribute. And there's a lot of theoretically, I know Walter's not doing this this year, but you should be, if you're an offensive coordinator with the Seattle Seahawks team, which is having a lot of easily schemed up things for your quarterback position. This is a guy to me that could fit in and, and, and flourish within that environment. If he doesn't have that, if he doesn't have the skill positions, if the offensive line is in place, if he doesn't have a good offensive scheme, I I'm with you. I think there's not a lot there there, but if you do give him that, I think he can be more than Taysom Hill um, as a passer specifically where he does have a little bit more arm talent, maybe not a ton more, but there is a little more arm talent in his ability to, you know, put some touch on balls, ball placement and general accuracy. I think he's got him licked on those, in, on those spots, but, um, yeah, I still do see him as a third round guy. Uh, let's go to number uh, six. First, I have one more. I want to show you on this one, Brendan, mm-hmm. as well. Another one from Addis Shelbel. Thank you for the $2 donation, Addison. Uh, she said, uh, he said, uh, I placed a bid on Lockett Metalhawk. On Facebook. I'm glad that you uh, put that dono in so we can put a shout out to them and mention them. Very, Brendan. Cool. very, very cool. Um, both me and Brendan on our separate channels, uh, fans for good. It's a charity. Both me and Brendan have done uh, some videos for, and we were uh, going to be trying to bump up a little bit this month as they're going to be bidding on some metal hawk uh, stuff as you, I can't see it on the shot here because we're tight right now, Brendan, but mm-hmm. uh, your dad was kind enough to make me one of these and they're going to have a couple of them for auction with Tyler Lockett and uh, Steve Largen. And so uh, you can go over there now I, and still uh, it's uh, just you can find them around their Facebook page. It's kind of the easiest way. And you can see they got a website, too. But uh, fans with a Z for good. Um, thank you for mentioning that, Addison. And uh, thanks to your dad for uh, putting that uh, 
putting that up for auction for a great yeah, comment. Thank you, Edison. I appreciate that. Um, okay. Sorry, I stopped you on your uh, momentum there, but what was your um, your next? Okay, quarterback six for me. This is kind of my uh, YOLO one. This is okay. like my, I'm using my immunity idol here. I just like him. Mm -hmm. It's Joe Milton of Tennessee. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't get this one. And they, you know, point to some of his performances this year. And I, I think here's the thing to understand. If Joe Milton was having high production, he would probably be a top 10 pick. Because if he was actually playing at a really high level, like, say, Jaden Daniels, and he had that arm, and he had that mobility, and, he, you know, he had all these other things, it's like, that's the full package. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing with Joe Milton is you might be able to get him in the third round or the fourth round, maybe even beyond that, I don't know, and groom him in your offense and you're not going to have to make some blue chip investment in him. That's the fun of this mm -hmm. because he is so talented. So yeah. I actually have a second round grade on this guy, but I think because he's not exactly playing lights out this year, you could probably get him in round four, maybe even round five. And that would get me excited. Like you bring in a guy like that. I'm feeling like I've got at least a puncher's chance at a franchise quarterback with that very small investment. That's a great point. And part of the thing with Joe coming out this year is that it is going to be only only going to be one year of uh, starting year that you have to operate off of uh, versus a lot of these guys that'll have two or three or four. I mean, Bo Nix has played all the way back to Auburn. Ben Nix has played a ton of football. These guys have had just a lot more into their belt to be able to show it out a little bit more versus Milton, who was just taking over this year for Hendon Hooker that was drafted last year out of Tennessee. He does, I think, have a, a plus, plus, plus arm, probably the strongest arm in this draft overall. Um, and there's a lot of wow factor to him. You're just looking for the consistency side of it to come up. I do have him as the top quarterback in the fourth round for me on the board, as I have it listed. So I'm not that far off of where you're even at with him. Um, I wouldn't mind if the Hawks locked in on him. I think that I, what I love in looking at a quarterback and a part that I, this is maybe just my personal preference, you know, some guys like blondes, some guys like brunettes. I like a quarterback with a nice big arm that can make all the throws. It's not the only thing. It's not just, just give me that. And it's, there's other things, the ability to process and, and throw with anticipation and navigate a pocket, all those extra things. But this is one of those things where I don't like it. When you go with those light tossing quarterbacks, people get a, you know, enraptured by Brendan and then they, you know, they can, they're mobile and, you know, they have a snappy delivery and they're, yeah, but he can't make every throw. So my offense is going to be restricted at one point or another by this kind of quarterback, not going to happen with a guy like Joe Milton. Right. So I, um, I, um, this is my immunity idol guy. This is the guy I just like. <laughs> Mulligan. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, if he was playing at a high level, there's no way we'd be able to get him at all. I think he'd be gone before our first pick. Like, yeah. like if, if this guy was producing the way that, like I said, Jaden Daniels produces, then forget about it. It's over. It's all over. He, he would be up there with Drake may, but yeah. Because he's not fully developed yet, you have this opportunity to get him at a much lower draft slot. It's true. No, I think it's very true. It's very true. Um, all right, we'll move on to my next guy, which is the guy that you just mentioned a second ago, which is uh, going to be Riley or Jaden Daniels. Not Riley, uh, Jaden Daniels of LSU. 
this is my guy who I think has really come on as strong as any quarterback this year. I would have maybe seen him last year as more of like a fifth round guy that you would have looked at. I, I just thought he was so, so skinny and so thin uh, that he was not going to hold up at the next level. We've got that moment last year of Jalen Carter lifting him up on one arm <laughs> off, off the field. Uh, but he is, uh, he's had a tremendous year, Brendan. The LSU supporting cast has not been tremendous around him. He's really having to overcome um, in an environment where it's under a lot of onslaught. He's having to be creative. Um, he's having times where he's, he can go between operating well within the pocket and hitting his throws and displaying plus arm strength and then shows you the mobility and the escapability to also get out of the pocket on top of that. I, I would still love him to be about another 20 pounds heavier, but it is what it is when you draft him. These kids just seem to be like getting lighter and skinnier for some reason year after year. I don't know why, you know, you used to back in the day, you have your big Drew Bloodsoe types, you know, six foot four, two, 225. You didn't have to think about it. Now these guys come out and they're, they're barely 200 pounds and you're like, man, is that wishbone going to get snapped? You know, I, I hope, I hope not. Uh, but he is held up well this year in the toughest conference there is, and he can make any NFL throw. He's got up plus mobility on the other side of it. Um, maybe not. Uh, he's, he's gotten more accurate. I don't know if I would go out and say, well, he's, but he's super accurate or that that's a, even a hyper plus skill to him and what he's added. That's definitely a part to, to get better at, but another guy, again, I would put more into a third round place. Yeah, um, he's an honorable mention for me. I didn't put him in my top 10. I do have him at 11th. I, I'm i okay with him in the fourth, though. Fourth round, I'd mm -hmm. be all right with it. Um, you know, I, I'm like Tommy Lee Jones in Captain America. He's still skinny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he's skinny. He, uh, he, he's, he's uh, fun. He's a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff to like there. He's making NFL throws, which I didn't think he was able to do. I, I looked at him and I saw a guy who was... Uh, a pure college quarterback. I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, no. I will say he had a chance to make a big statement against Alabama uh, mm -hmm. this last week and didn't really do it. Did not play that well. Had one of his worst games, which, you know, that's a missed opportunity. A big reason why people are high on Quinn Ewers right now is because he made his big statement against Alabama. So that was an unfortunate missed opportunity. But I, I would say that I look at Jaden Daniels as a round four guy and uh, QB 11. I'd be down with that. Would you say also within that assessment, though, Texas might have a wee bit better of a team than LSU does? Oh, easily. They, they, they've actually got two really good receivers in Texas, and they've got the uh, – the, uh, Sanders. Sweat. And, and Sanders. Sanders. Uh, and Jalen Ford. Yeah. Don't forget Jalen Ford. He's good, too. Yeah. Catalan. It's a very good team. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. LSU's really not a good team. Like, no. There's not a lot going on there. Not much. Not much. Um, okay, so let's get to your next one. I know as we're getting down the depth on these on this quarterback list, let's uh keep it rolling. Okay. So QB7. This is a QB7 here. I go Riley Leonard. Hey, we found one we completely uh, agree on this one with. I got Riley. him like uh fringe round two, more likely round three. Um, I still really like him, but his season kind of went off the rails. He got hurt and then he tried to play hurt and it was awful. Like, I mean, I appreciate the, uh, I appreciate the intentions of him trying to go out there in that state, but it, it was not good. And I don't know if he's coming back this year. I don't even know if he's going into the draft. I read an article uh, a couple weeks ago with somebody saying he should transfer to Notre Dame for his final year of college because they're losing Hartman and uh, Notre Dame would probably give him more to work with than um, uh, Duke does. 
So mm. I, I think it's possible he doesn't declare, but I, I like his mobility. I like his size. I like. I think he can make all the throws. What about Washington. Uh, he, ooh, that'd be fun. I could get excited for that. I just think. Just think that. I mean, he's got some playmakers. Not like you're losing. You still bring back uh, Polk and and the running back next year, right? At least. Yeah, so. and and I, McMillan's probably coming back too because he just can't play this year. I don't think he wants to enter the draft after a season where he got hurt like eight separate times. I would think not. I, I, I would think not. Um, what does he bring to the table, this Riley Leonard? Um, well, I just look at him and I see a dual threat, somebody who is a real threat to do damage with his legs, not in the Quinn Ewers or the Cam Ward way, but in a like more like a, oddly enough, Daniel Jones way. But I like I think he's a better prospect than Daniel Jones was. And Daniel Jones was the sixth overall pick. Now, I don't know if Daniel Jones should have been the sixth overall pick. I might say that, like, that may have been a uh, over overdraft. But I look at Riley Leonard, and I just see a guy who can do all those things. But I think he's got a better arm, and I think he has a better understanding of how to use it. Duke is not exactly stacked with talent. They do have some guys. They've got a great left tackle in Graham Barton. But... I think he's made it work there with substandard talent. Duke was on a roll until Leonard got hurt. Like they were on a roll. They were about to beat Notre Dame. And then Riley Leonard went down and everything went to hell. Like if, if he doesn't get hurt, we might be talking about a Duke team that's in the race for the college football playoff right now. I really do feel that way because they were hanging around with, uh, I think it was Florida state, even with Riley Leonard limping around out there. And, and that's after beating Clemson, I think at the start of the year, right? That's Wasn't right. And um, what I will say is that Duke protects him with a very good rushing attack. Mm -hmm. um, even even when Riley Leonard's out or Riley Leonard's playing hurt, they've been able to run the ball really well. So he does have that, but he doesn't have great receivers out there. So I look at that and I go, there's a lot of stuff here that I'm into. He's just kind of a good all-around prospect. And I'm, like I said, I'm kind of in that, low round two high round three type range with him yes and i've got him about the same place and of course these guys like I say all these guys were in this space space of i've just i've got a huge stack i've kind of generally put them at third round i might on a couple of them like you've kind of won i might eventually when we get through the post draft process arc a few of these guys up a little bit higher the more film i get a chance to really dive into them and look and this is one of those guys that i really look forward to being able to do a much deeper dive on the complete set of his film this year and last year even going back and looking at him um because he has had some time there i like your daniel jaren's comp i think when it comes to it i think the arm talent wise and again daniel jones has a strong arm but riley has the better arm and the I feel like he can make the better assortment of passes, if that makes sense. You know, the layered throws, the touch passes, the I, I need to put this out route to a particular spot. It's kind of like Daniel to me might have the the flashier stuff a little bit. This guy's just got the this guy's a little less flashier, but it's more workable. It's more applicable to the football field and getting an offense um, maximized. Let's say, which I don't think Daniel Jones is going to maximize any offense. Um, another guy too, I think that I could see. You spoke, spoke to Quinn Ewers. This is a guy beyond our assessment of it that I could, could you not see a, be a guy that uh, Schneider falls kind of head over heels for? Yeah, know, he does he, have that kind of prototype look that yeah. he, like, like the Josh Allen, which we know that uh, Schneider loved. Yeah. I think he really liked Mahomes. I think those were the main two guys he really liked. Yeah. Um, there, there's a little bit of that going on here. I don't know if it's that extreme, but it's pretty good. 
yeah, I, I think it's something I could see him going with. And again, third, second, late second, third round pick. Um, one of our third round picks that we have in this draft, the Saint. Let we take it with the Saints pick. Let's say uh, this kid. It wouldn't be the worst of selections to go out there and take a look at. Like you say, though, probably two to three of these guys that we're talking about in this list are part of why we want to go a little deeper on this particular quarterback list than we're going to go with the other positions is because a couple of these guys are going to go back to school. So it's uh, the NIL kicking in is going to have something going. I'll take the five million and just go back and do it that way. Uh, let's go to your next one down. Uh, for me, it's, I got Cam Ward, which we just talked about. Yeah. So who do you have? And my QB eight is Bo Nix, who we already talked about. We talked so about. we can just get right through that. Uh, number nine for you is Jordan Travis. And he's actually making a play to start pushing up because he's starting to turn it on a little bit. And I was kind of cold on this guy for a while, but I'm starting to get it. He's really consistent. Seems like every game he's playing at a high level. Now, Florida State's schedule has been a joke this year. They haven't played anybody good. I think their best opponents have been Clemson and Duke with no Riley Leonard or uh, hobbled what Riley Leonard, whichever. So he hasn't had to face really good competition. But it seems like every game he's just bringing it. There is some dual threat stuff going on there with him. Um, I, I like his mobility. I'm surprised with how good of an arm he has given how small he is. Like him and J.J. McCarthy, I look at them and I go, ugh. Because they're so small, they're I just assume they're not going to be able to make those throws, but they kind of can. Yeah, no, they find uh, they they do find a way to get it done. Even though you do look at them and you wonder about how they hold up at the next level, um, he was a guy that last year to me had some very much Doug Flutie kind of vibes to him, going way back uh, in that kind of machine um, where he's he can definitely get inventive in the pocket and improvise with the best of them. If you're looking for me, a guy that is who is the Russell Wilson of this draft, Brendan. Who is the guy that closely for you comps out to the closest amalgamation of Russell Wilson? There's not a Russell pure here. I'm not saying that, but the closest guy to me might very well be a Jordan Travis. Uh, that, that's actually a really solid him and uh, maybe Jaden Daniels are kind of, kind of mm. like in that vein and like Wilson, who was a third round pick, I think Travis will go in round three and that's where I have him. I think that's about right. Yeah. And I, I've got him just on the upper crust for me of the fourth round territory, but I've, I have liked this quick kid quite a bit as with a few of these guys, I would be the least bit unhappy if we end up making one of these guys our selection, second, third, fourth round, um, because they all do have upside. They're all fun players. Uh, this kid's going to have multiple years of starting at the college quarterback, something that we've had a hard time getting in times of year. We mentioned about the Milton Milton's kind of the outlier in this, in this draft versus the Riley Leonard's, the Jalen Daniels, the Bo Nix, the Spencer Rattler, the, uh, you know, uh, and I, I think I skipped over one of mine, by the way. Um, uh, but uh, this, these guys have multiple years of starting experience, which is very important so that they're way more seasoned than you get on your average quarterback coming out of college, which means they're that much more pro ready to get on the football field and start to play versus needing to sit on the bench for a year. Right. Um, my guy that, um, I got, and I love, I do love Jordan Travis, the guy I have, and I, in fact, I have him a couple of spaces ahead. I forgot to mention him. He's actually after my Bo Nix. Um, so this would be a third round guy still, and that would be Spencer Rattler. Um, highly controversial kind of guy out there, uh, from some, but, um, here's where I've gotten with Spencer and I've been around the bend with him, man. We've been talking about him for three years, Brendan, three years. We've been talking about him. Um, and he goes back to OSU, uh, gets, gets beat out at one point by Caleb Williams there at the end of his tenure there, and then goes down to South Carolina and 
you know, he didn't take the easy way out on this, Brendan, I think, which would have been to say, go to Boston College, right? Go to some lesser conference and you don't play and you, you can kind of just kind of beat up on the weak nillies and look great. He went to a challenging place in South Carolina because South Carolina plays in the SEC, but they don't have a good supporting cast around him. And when you're in the SEC, we saw this last year with Kentucky, when you're a quarterback in the SEC and your supporting cast sucks and your offensive line sucks, it's very hard to play the position well. And with Rattler this year, of all these quarterbacks we're going to talk about, nobody has been under the same the pressure rates of Spencer Rattler this year. Nobody's dealt with that kind of situation like he has. And I'm not a big guy on Rattler as far as loving his body language and, and how he kind of carries himself. And I wonder about his personality. You talk about leadership. That's This is a guy that I'd, I would have those. I'd be wanting to do a lot of interviews in the room with this kid if I was a GM. But from an arm talent, arm talent standpoint, the ability to make every throw in the book, good mobility, that he's been able to weather the storm there this year. And not he's, he's played pretty good, but he's played as well as you could ask to a guy to expect in those circumstances. And at times even elevated those around him. He's a guy I wonder about that we've not seen his best ball, not necessarily his fault because he's had to deal with that, but that he has maybe grown a bit as a player and started to, to rise a little bit. Um, but I know a guy that's a little bit of a controversial figure. Yeah, he would be an honorable mention for me. I have him in like the fourth or fifth round. Maybe he's QB 12, QB 13. Um, I haven't been impressed with him this year, but his offensive line doesn't exist. It's a big mess. And he's had some good games. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, I don't know. This is not a bad uh, buy low, uh, you know, low investment that has a chance to really pan out. A lot of guys you get in the fourth and fifth round these days are the guys who you know do not have franchise quarterback upside. They're guys like uh, uh, Aiden O'Connell, right, where you just hope they can be good backups. That's right. Tyson Badgett. Mm -hmm. Like Spencer Rattler, there's at least a little bit of upside there. I agree. Totally agree. But uh, that's where I'd be sitting now with it. Um, one last guy let's talk about, then we'll bounce into these other positions here. Um, Brendan is JJ McCarthy. You just mentioned him. Give me some of your notes on him. Uh, uh, we, I mean, we both are going to be at the, the front of this being like, look, the build, we're not trusting that build on the NFL level. He's at Michigan. That's a powerhouse right now. He's we're they have some linemen we'll be talking about here. I think right in the upcoming that there, he gets to benefit from, um, JJ gets a lot of love out there, Brendan. Why does he get so much seemingly growing hype out there for, you know, what I see on the field. Am I missing it with this guy? I think it's just because Michigan blows out everybody they play and McCarthy gets to play clean pretty much every single game he plays because he, his job is so easy. Mm -hmm. I, I will say he's got a nice arm for a guy that size, but I still look at him and I, I don't, I can't get there. I see mm -hmm. a guy who is probably fringe day two, more early day three, like a, round four guy and he, he's one of those guys that I don't know I do think that if you were to make a list of the most important players on that Michigan Wolverine team I feel like JJ McCarthy's like I don't know if he makes the top eight I'll put it that way let's put it that way that's probably pretty fair actually I mean I, I think you could definitely make an argument for it so I yeah I think he's got a good arm for his size but I don't know if I'd say it's a good arm right says that's that's the mm -hmm. thing Wonderland. So you have a guy that's like slight of build and not necessarily full on NFL arm. Good mobility yeah. but not 
He's not got Bo Nix mobility or Riley Leonard mobility, I don't think. I think it's more like Baker Mayfield mobility. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. Totally Baker Mayfield mobility. Absolutely that. So I, Shout out I, to Baker, by the way, playing pretty good. He Shout is. Dave Canales. But, yeah, uh, he's getting the most out of him. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. J.J. McCarthy, he's all right. But, I mean, I mean, it, it's really close for me between a guy like him and a guy like Jaden Daniels. J.J. seems safer. There just also seems to be a much lower ceiling. Yeah. Like, like this one, I don't know. I think that it's easy to get blinded by how good Michigan is this year. I think Michigan should be number one in the country. Yeah, right I agree. Now. I agree with you. And that's the one of the big single points of this is with Jaden, even though he is slight, at least he's a little taller. I think he's got a stronger arm. And I think he's had to overcome more than McCarthy has with what he's got to work around there in Michigan. And I, that that would really be they're, – they're very close players like you say, but that would be to me the, the separating factor in which one I would take over the other if they were both very close in the draft to where they'd go. Um, Brian Myers gives us a double dip of $2 donations. Thank you for that, Brian. I think you probably cut your message off when you're trying to drop this message, but, uh, he's got a question for you, Brendan, which is, uh, Brendan, can your dad make those, uh, Zilla, Hawk, what, what do we call those? Uh, metal Hawk, metal Hawk, metal Hawk. Uh, can you do a metal Hawk throwback logo? Um, I think he can make pretty much anything as long as you can design it in like if, the, the some of the stuff he's done is pretty exotic, pretty out there. So I would say yes, he can definitely do that if that's what you want. Absolutely, anything for, for the right price, Brian. For the right price. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, brother, for the dono. Right. All right, let's move over to, and we're gonna have a couple of positions here, positional groupings. We're not going to go as deep into, and most of these are going to be as we go forward, folks. Kind of three man looks that our top three on the board here. Yeah. Uh, uh, lightning round. Lightning round, as we say, but we're going to have positional groups like this running back one where Hawks are not likely to draft a guy high. They've taken two second round running backs. If we're going to take one, it's going to be later on and that we don't know who the later on backs are going to be at this point. Frank That's, Gore Jr. Yeah. Frank Gore Jr. Exactly. So, um, yeah. or you know, who's that Shipley, Shipley or whatever. Oh, the Clemson guy. Clemson kid. Um, yeah. So just the top three backs. Get, we'll just do a little, little bit of a lightning round. Like you say with this on these ones. Um, so let's go with, give me your first back. Uh, Travion Henderson, round Trav two grade. Travion Henderson, what stands out to him and what you like about his game? Uh, yeah, this is the uh, Ohio State guy. I, I like his, um, I feel like he's a good all-around back, generally speaking. Again, I haven't really looked at the running backs super close so far this year. But um, I, I do think that he's probably the most well-rounded back in this class. I like the fact that he's not too light despite being kind of short. Uh, he's a good receiver out of the backfield. He's had some really good games receiving so far this year, and he was really good as a receiver in 2021 as well. Um, I, um, I I think that if you take a look at what he did in 2021, because he was not healthy last year, he was pretty dominant, actually. He was putting up uh, almost like uh, pretty close to Dalvin Cook at Florida State numbers because mm -hmm. uh, that, that was the true dominance. But he's kind of back to that form so far this year, although – he is missing some games. Injuries have to be a bit of a concern here. He's missed significant time two years in a row now. But when he's out there, he kind of puts a little bit of everything on the table, I feel like. 
Yeah, I like him. I do like him. I have him more in the third roundish range for me. I, he's very shifty. I think the way you talked about him being a complete back is true. There's not really a one sexy trait about him that stands out. It's sort of like he's just a good complete back. Kind of gives you a little everything. The injury thing I think is a concern because he's not the biggest of dudes. You know, he's a little bit slight. And I think that contributes to a little bit of him getting beat up. He's also not as much, I think, an inside runner. Mayan Sanders there for the Ohio State, the other back they use there is the is their guy that they use in between the tackles. Especially if you're ever considering him for Seattle here, it'd be one to be tough because um, just not that's the thing that holds him back for me on being like a second round guy. He's got some great explosion though. Uh, my number two guy would be Blake, or my number one guy would be Blake Corum uh, out of Michigan, uh, who's had back to back seasons now of excellent production for them. Uh, I see him, Brendan, as a uh, as as a as a mini Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley minus about three inches uh, in height, four inches in height. Um, he's but he's well built, well built to the ground. He can he can change direction on a dime, stop and start on um, and get back up with his acceleration like nothing else. His his contact balance is excellent. He's harder to bring down despite being a little bit of a smaller back. Maybe he doesn't have the the complete home run hitting speed out there from the position. But a guy that's going to be able to create yards for himself at the next level, even if you don't always have it blocked up. Yeah, Blake Corum, um, not too much of a receiving back, but he's an excellent bell cow. He's been a bell cow for Michigan for a couple years. Awesome burst, awesome speed. Very, very creative in the open field. Very, very creative in setting up big plays using his blockers. Uh, a lot of stuff to like there with Blake as well. I have him in the same area as Henderson. I have him as a round two guy as well. Yeah, I, I, I don't see I don't think any running back is going to go in the first round this year. I'll say that. No, I don't believe so either. This is it'll be second round all day this this year. Uh, who's your uh, number two back? Blake Horn. Blake Horn. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So we got we got that one on. Uh, mine is going to be Rocket Sanders. I think who is your third? Yes, yeah. my third. So uh, mine, this this all pairs nicely, Brendan. Uh, so mine's going to be Rocket Rocket Sanders from Arkansas, 6'2", 237. That's a big boy, Brendan. To, to Raheem, I, I think he reminds me, and you know, it's always the lazy thing I talk about, Brendan, where you, you know, you uh, comp a guy that's played at the program prior, you know, it's like, it's so easy because you've seen the other jersey before, but he reminds me so much of Darren McFadden, mm. kid that came out of the day back out in Arkansas. He's got these long... Long strides, um, 1,400 yards in 2022. He's had another very good good year here so far to, to kick things off. Um, you get him in the open field, he's gone, man. And he's hard to, he's, he's a little bit like in that vein of uh, a Derrick Henry where he is so big that you get him up in the open field and they get their full head of steam. You try to like grab him and you just kind of fall off of him, right? Because, but if so, you have to kind of just tackle him before they can get to that head full head of steam. The issue with him, though, is he actually has some unique burst for being such a long legged guy. He actually can really get up to speed really fast. Um, I really like his upside, uniquely built running back. We've had so many of these backs in recent years, like your Jameer Gibbs types or a chain types, 180, 190 pounds. I think this guy's legit 230, 235. And uh, if he goes to the combine and goes out at 235, running a four, four, five even uh he might be the one guy of this list that we talk about because of that physical build that can push himself up a little bit in this draft even i where i got him which is the second round yeah i uh i have him third i have him as the around uh, two guy as well great combination of size and speed rare combination of size and speed um doesn't offer a ton in terms of pass catching i think his no pass catching skills are pretty rudimentary um fumbling which is I mean, that can become a problem. We'll, we'll see where it goes. 
but um, I I like him a lot as well. I don't like him enough to draft him in our circumstance, but I do put a second round grade on him. He's a good player. It'll be interesting to see where uh, he does go, but uh, not many built like him. Uh, my only last guy I really quickly put in because we covered your three um, is Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin. Right. Um, another another big big back, uh, very productive. Um, he really does a good job of running downhill. Really unusual burst for a guy that is as big as him. I call him a cross between Derrick Henry and Fournette. Um, he's another, this guy might be 240. He might even be bigger than Rocket, to be honest with you, and add add another 10 pounds. Um, he's just a bully runner out there, Brendan. Really fun back to watch if you want a physical back that can just wear a defense out. This guy can do it. And uh, another guy that I like in the second round because of I think he's going to run a good 40, and with his physicality that he puts into play, uh, there's going to be teams that that's really going to resonate with when it comes to draft time. Yep. Uh, let's go, uh, let's keep this on moving right into another position. We're not going to spend a lot of time with because the Hawks have drafted a lot of wide receivers. We're, we're deep as hell at wide receiver. We're not taking a wide receiver in the first, second or third round. So looking at the top three doesn't make a ton of sense to a degree here. We'll give a quick little notes on these guys, Brendan. Uh, first guy who I know you and I both agree with Marvin Harrison, Jr. What can be said about him? That has uh, Probably the best receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson. I think that's fair. I think that's the best way to put it with it. Yeah. It's the only guy. thing with him is it feels like there is a little bit of rawness, but I think that you give him a year in the NFL, he's going to be the complete package. There's going to be nothing that he doesn't. Um, there's going to be nothing that he doesn't bring to the table as a receiver. I have him as a top five guy. I think I have him at either number two or number three overall. I mm. think my first big board had him at number two. But um, yeah, he is he is special. He's my big board number two player, special Hall uh, Hall of Fame talent. Uh, he'll be doing every if he's long, of course, paired with the right quarterback. He'll be doing everything that Jamar Chase is doing in the league. Um, the hype is real on the kid. I there's nothing I can pick apart about it. When when Brian Hartline, the um, coach, said that you know this is the best of the bunch that's come out of that crew in the last few years, from Michael Thomas's to Terry McLaurin's, who will play this week against Washington, to Jackson Smith and Jigba. This is the best of the bunch, they say, without even blinking. He's awesome. Number two for you. My number two is Abuka, Emeka Abuka, the other Ohio State guy. It's kind of tough. Admittedly, it's kind of tough because you've got two hyper elite receivers on the same team. And this year, they don't have the best quarterback. I'll say that, right? They got mm. Cal McCord, who will be lucky to get drafted. But he's another guy who's like a prototype. He's got great size. He's got great height. He's fast. I like the way that he plays in terms of uh, running after the catch, how aggressive he is. He's got long arms. He's got great footwork. Um I, I, I think that some of the holes in this game would be needs to get better at contested catches. Uh, there are some concentration issues with him dropping the ball every now and then. That's the one major issue that I see with him right now. But he's a great athlete. He played cornerback when he was in high school, which has actually really helped his uh, instincts as a uh, receiver. So I go Abuka. I have a top, uh, I think I had a top 15 grade on him. And I've got a book of myself down about second round place. Mm -hmm. I do like him a lot. And I find I like the physicality and his physicality through the route where you can't knock him off his spot. He's going to get to where he wants to get to. But the hands, I think it's one of the reasons he was originally kind of a defensive back because their person went and saw the hands and went, okay, you're a defensive back. 
Uh, a little bit of the lack of production this year out of him, though I will admit some of this is going from C.J. Stroud to the quarterback position where it is at. Still, nonetheless, production's not been necessarily top-notch this year from him on the other side of it. My number two guy instead would be Romeo and Dunzier, who has brought himself up from what I had as a high second-round grade this offseason to a first-round grade. Um, I don't think that there's anything that he can't do at the next level, including he brings size to the play that's been – sometimes a missing thing in some of these receivers in recent years, your tank Dells, your Jordan Addison's, even these top realm guys that are five, nine, five, 10, he gives you actually that height, that size, that ability to go up and get the contested catches and route run any route in the book and even give you some yak in addition to it. Uh, I, I love Romeo and Dunzi and what he brings. He may not have as much of a startling upside that you'd look for in a first round receiver, but he gives you to me a clean upside. I know what I'm getting. I know his ceiling and where his floor is at. And, uh, it, uh, you can feel very comfortable with this pick. I'm not saying high first round pick, probably later first round, but I would put a first round grade on Romeo, Romeo. Uh, yeah. Um, of course I love Rome as well. I'll be honest. I think I thought McMillan was better. I really liked McMillan a little bit more, and I thought McMillan had this superstar potential, but it's been a lost year for McMillan, so I don't know if I was right on that or not. I well, you, feel could be, like... you could be proven right on that if McMillan comes back, mm-hmm. and he, he 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 might have that. I'm, I'm with you. He might have that upside over the top of him. It's just I, you ding Nick J- Jalen just for not being able to play, really, if he's going to declare. So, yeah, I like Rome. He's definitely on my board he's like a late round one early round two guy for me uh i do not have him listed in the top three though and that's all i have here so no no worries uh who was your third uh keon coleman the florida state guy top 20 grade i really like him size you gotta love that size got the big playability great after the catch uh really really good at the little nuances of running routes and at the uh nfl level great at like using like deceptive footwork and then suddenly building up to speed to blow past a defensive back. Great acceleration. Really, uh, really impressed with Coleman. Yeah. He's, he's the complete package of the receiver position. I as well have him as my number three guy on my board. I, I as well would put a top 20 pick on him. I think both Romeo and him would meet me top top 20 guys or somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe top 25. We want to get technical just to be sure I'm in the right phase of this, but uh, his catch radius is insane. I don't think there's another receiver in this sport this year. That's going to have more highlight catches than Keon Coleman's going to have. I mean, the one handers, the, the ability to catch it, falling away, falling down, stay feet and bounds. Um, he's been pretty phenomenal in that element of it. And uh, just, Whoever drafts him is going to have a, a highlight reel of tape to go through. Um, I don't know if he'll go and be a superstar or a star receiver, but he's got he's got that to him and um, runs really good routes, good hands too, in addition to that, like Coleman. Yeah. All right, let's turn the page here to the tight end position, and uh, we're both going to be in agreement. I think, at the start of this one. The Hawks are going to need a tight end, it looks like, Brandon. I don't think that we're going to be able to sign both of our guys, and maybe not even two of our guys. We might be end up drafting two guys this year when it's all said and done. First guy out the gate's not going to be a guy we're going to have a chance at. Uh, and that's going to be Brock Bowers out of Georgia. Yeah, I think we've got some consensus here. This is a, to me, a top five guy. I have him four on my big board. He's he's the, I mean, I, I know sometimes it sounds like I'm doing the hyperbole thing that the uh, talking heads do when talking about sports. <laughs> but I really do think this might be the best tight end prospect ever. He is the full package I think he's a better prospect than Kyle Pitts. 
I think he's a better prospect than Vernon Davis. I think he's a better prospect than, I mean, I don't know how you compare him to a guy like Mike Ditka or Mark Bavaro, but in terms of being a pure prospect, I think Brock Bowers might be the best tight end prospect we've ever seen. He just has everything checked. Boy, does he ever. Um, and he is my number three prospect on my board for me. Um, so that tells you where I stand on him as well. Um, he had a game this year, I can't remember who it was, where he saved George's season. Like it was a game where nothing was working right and they just had to feed it to him. And he carried the day for him, put on the super Superman cape and and went to flying. Um, he's had a little bit of an injuries that he's been out for now for some of the year. He's trying to fight back with that's not going to affect his draft status. He, like Brendan just said, I believe he's the 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 very least best highest best tight end prospect that we've seen coming out in 10 years, the complete deal. He can, he is a monster as a blocker. He, he catches like Gronk in the past catching game. His hands are like, they got stick them on it. Uh, sensational player, beastie as hell. Uh, you want to be a mauling team that can just, he can give it, he gives it to y'all. He gives you everything you could want from the position. I love him as a player. He's even got a tight end name, Brock Bowers. I mean, it's, is yeah. there more of a tight end name that you've ever seen than that? Who's your uh, number two? Um, I think it's gotta be Jatavion Sanders of Texas, although his production has been on a milk carton ever since Ewers went down. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, yeah. And, oh, and actually I should say that, uh, Bowers actually got hurt. So he's been on a milk carton too. Yeah. Although in his case, I'm not worried about it or anything. No. But, uh, Sanders had something to prove this year and in parts he has. He's been a really good big play threat this year, which is something that he wasn't really in previous years. I think in previous years, he would average like 10 yards a catch. This mm -hmm. year, I think it's more like 18 or 19. Uh, so he's had some really big games. He's had some standout games. Uh, he's not a bad blocker either. He's a little bit of a dual threat tight end, although I think he's more of a threat as a receiver. Um, not necessarily somebody who's going to make a ton of things happen breaking tackles or anything like that down the field, I feel like. But I do like him enough to have him in that late round one, early round two kind of range of things. And I think he's the only other like game-breaking tight end in this draft that I feel really good about. Yeah, we're, we are of alignment here. I have a second round grade on Jatavian Sanders. Uh, and um, I think that he is a... a a lot better of a tight end prospect that we've been looking at the last couple of years at times because he does give you some exciting traits, but then some complete traits too. Like he can run block, I think, pretty well. He can seal the edge as a blocker out there in the run game. Um, he's got a big enough legit size body out there that he can roll, and, and he's pretty physical. I like you say, I think he's that H-back type of tight end. So I think if you draft him, this is your Noah Fant replacement, Fant being more of your H-back. You can do both. You're not just asking the guy like you might in certain offenses to be a pure H or be a pure inline guy. The Seahawks ask their guys to be both. But this guy, you would lean in to have more snaps with him probably in that sort of H-back kind of role as the tight end uh, as a first and foremost position. Really strong hands, plus speed, athletic Brendan, um, can make some tough catches and hang on despite contact because he's got that size to him too. He can absorb contact. Really like Sanders quite a bit. He's a good player, I think, in the second round. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, we got a big-time donation. Let me acknowledge this. Hoopo coming in with a $50 drop. My goodness, Hoopo. Thank you for that $50 donation, brother. That is very, very kind of you for doing that. He says, no comment. Just appreciate listening to the conversation. I could talk and listen to prospect talk all day. Agree with some, not with others. 
but always respect y'all's opinions. Appreciate that you put in the work to get these viewpoints. Oh, thank you very, very much, Upo. And um, I'm glad to hear on top of the donation, both me and Brendan are glad to hear you guys are liking these kind of shows because this is something we weren't sure if this would be necessarily something that would resonate. We knew there wouldn't be for everybody, but we knew for those that it would be for, it would be really for. And uh, it's something that we get a lot of requests for from our subscribers to do these kind of shows and, and way out ahead of the draft because we, of course, do super deep dives as we get to the draft. But we want to start to get ahead of this. And um, as and you know, you might be at on those ones where we disagree, Yupo. You know, you might end up being the one right on them. We might end up landing on your territory because this will be an evolving process for both me and Brendan. And and what makes me sure say that is, you know, we're we're data guys. We're gonna have an opinion, but the more data that comes in, we're going to continue and expand off of that. And it's gonna change our viewpoints on guys and positions and stuff on it. But uh, I'm glad you like it, man. And thank you so very much with $50 donation. You are really, really kind for that. And you've done a lot of donations and supports to both of our channels, Zupo, no doubt about that too, as well. So I want you to know, I appreciate that. And man, uh, we'll keep these going. I think the next one we'll be doing is probably is the uh, college football season's wrapping up and get our final dive on where they're at at the end of the season right? and, and go from there. But uh, thank you, man. Very, very kind of you for doing that. Jeez, fifty dollars, yeah, Brennan. Thank you. Never is enough, Brennan. I can never, never feels like enough on that. We're fifty dollar <laughs> drops. Um, Taker six ten. Thank you for the five dollar drop. He says, "I just saw a funny post on Facebook saying collectively the NFC West scored six points in Week Nine. Ouch! Ha ha ha! How much of Jalen Carter have you guys watched? Um, decent amount. I mean, Philly's on TV a lot because they're a good team." But a pretty decent amount when he's in the game, you definitely notice. But I haven't isolated him specifically, no. Yeah, I, I haven't gone to the Eagles tape to, to see what he's doing, snapping and snap out. Um, what I can say is he's been tremendously efficient with the snaps he's been given. And he's being asked to do more as a pass rusher than as a run stuffer. You know, they're going early downs with Fletcher and, and Jordan um, Davis down there and those guys hold it up there. Then he comes in as a pass rusher. So he is fitting to a certain role. He's being highly rotated out and he does have an, an ankle injury, which is kind of notable because one of the things with Carter last year was of course he had ankle injury that held him back last season in college as well. So um, something to maybe track about where that lands with him as we go forward. But I think he was out this past game, if I'm not mistaken, he missed a game. I don't think it was the most recent game. Cause I, no, no, he was definitely in the last game because I remember he jumped off sides on the Cowboys' final drive where they almost won the game. Oh, there we go. Okay. So he's, he's played tremendous. If you look at PFF markers, Taker, he's top three, top four rated defensive tackle in the sport right now. But that is with an asterisk a little bit because if you look at the other three guys around him or the other five, six guys around him, he's the guy with the least amount of snap counts of those other guys at the top of that PFF board. So worth worth factoring in if we're taking about who's been the most per, per, productive player to me for what they gave you to me witherspoon's been the more productive player because he plays a hundred percent of the snaps yeah and also i think we need witherspoon more than we need carter yeah i'll say that i agree like like that's uh you know every team individually our defensive line's been pretty good this year overall obviously Mm -hmm. it was not so much on sunday but overall our defensive line's been good but we had one, that one game where we didn't have Witherspoon and it was a complete disaster in the secondary. So I look <laughs> at that and I go, I'm, I, I think we made the right call on, on just on those grounds. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And Carter's good too, but I would give the edge in myself just to Witherspoon as it stands right now. 
Uh, thank you, Taker. And Upo, thank you again, man. I salute you, sir, for that huge $50 donation drop. You guys are very kind here on the channel. Uh, let's keep this uh, rolling, rolling, rolling. I think we might be agreeing on this next one, Brendan. I'm not. I thought we might be dead. Let's see here. Who's your third tight end on your board? Uh, I'm going with Cade Stover, one of my personal favorites in this draft. Uh, I'm not going to go crazy with it. I do view him as a round three guy. He's not really explosive. He's not going to make eight people miss every time he catches the ball. He's not going to run people over, but he is a reliable, solid pass catcher. He can play in line. He has some stuff to work on as a blocker, but I do think that he's a better blocker than a vast majority of these college tight ends these days that are basically receivers. A lot of these guys basically play wide receiver. Uh, so Cade Stover, if you lose Will Disley this offseason, to me, this is about as close as you're going to get to Will Disley in this draft. Yeah, I think that's a fair way of putting it. He is my third tight end uh, currently on my board as well. I have a third round um, grade put on him as well. So we're both fully in agreement there. Um, not not very explosive. He's not going to be um, a sharp route runner from the tight end position. He is your inline kind of guy. Um, that you're going to ask to just get down, down and dirty and physical down there at the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, when you do have him catch, there'll be guys hanging all off of him and he'll make those contested catches and he's not, you know, creating separation the route, but he's got some up stuff he brings to the table as well. And you need these kind of guys in your offense. Like we've needed a Will Disley in our offense to make it go. Um, they're kind of the, the glue guys in there at times. And it's a, a an option here. If we're looking to move off Disley, who I think we save six, seven million dollars something like that by moving off of him i think it's seven yeah this uh this absolutely then gives you a, a much cheaper option you get maybe third or fourth round and uh, as you said brendan looking at some of these other guys that are deeper in the tight end group uh, a lot of the kind of uh you know real thinly built you know basically receiver types through what i've seen through some of the more the depths of this uh tight end group i've looked at a, quite a bit of these guys and uh just very thin and very you know but just kind of almost quasi receivers really. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's keep it moving here to uh left tackle. Are we doing it just by tackles or were we going by? Um, I did left tackle and right tackle individually. Let's do that then. Let's start out with our, uh, our first left tackle for you on the board. Yeah, and this your... is going to be another quick one because uh, I don't think we're drafting the left tackle. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a really good one at the top here. It's Olu Fashanu who I have in my top five. I think he is a pretty generational, not not to put him over some of the other top guys recently, but I think he's on their level. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I like him a lot. He's got, uh, I think, still some more upside than what he's shown here at Penn State. I think coming into this year, people thought it would be just a little bit better. It's been good. It's been good to great. Um, but people were looking at that, looking for, I think, that dominant level, like you're talking about, where he was last year were showing the signs of having that sort of uh, maybe a generational look to him. I don't know if he's quite gotten there. I have a top 10 grade on him. He is my best left tackle on my on my board, the best tackle purely, or maybe the best tackle purely on my board, just bar none. Um, but he is a guy that is... I think just had a little, it's a very, just a little, just a little itty bitty dip this year in performance, but look, he's, he's going to give you everything you want. Um, big, long, he can move his feet. He, he always is able to stay in front of the defenders, no matter what. He just has a knack for being able to find it on top of being just really athletic and keeping his feet always active. Um, got good power and strength in the run game too, Brendan. Good, good, complete player. Uh, you're not going to go wrong with this guy. You, you don't have any of the risk. I don't think with Olu that you have with Evan Neal, 
Ike Ekawano and even Charles Cross a couple of years ago. Cross is rounded out in a fine shape, but like as we've seen with Neil and Ekawano, they've had some stuff in their game that you worried about coming out that you've continued to be worried about as they've now played. I think with Olu, you have a lot more certainty about his floor too, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's better than those guys pretty clearly. I, I think that he's... Uh... I, I I mean, as far as prospect goes, I would put him like in that Debricka Shaw Ferguson type of level. I think that's fair. Yeah, like absolutely. Really, really high. Maybe not. I'm not sure Walter, there. Have, it's not Walter Jones, but Debricka yeah, Shaw. Yeah, this is not Walter Jones. This is not Orlando Pace, but it's very, very good. Yeah, it, it, you can make it work. Uh, who's our number two? I got Joe Alt of Notre Dame. Really, really athletic guy for his size. Like, phenomenal athleticism for a guy who's 315. Um, The only issues with him really are technique. And maybe he's a little too tall. He's 6'8". Like, that's Mm -hmm. a little bit concerning. But if he can get the technique down, like the balance, hand technique, the ability to bend at the waist enough to... uh, or, Or, excuse me, not bend at the waist and still be able to hold up. If he can figure it out, I think he's... Also a really, really good prospect. I, I put him in the top 10. He's my number two uh, tied into this draft as well. Um, do you buy my player? My player comp is Andre uh, Whitworth. Okay. I dig it. I, I just, dig it. Monstrous size tackle, strong as an ox. And he, uh, I, he's definitely kind of figured out how to play with that size. He's got, he moves really well. But like you say, the balance part does come and go. When he's under balance and control, you can see it. You can see how it's going to set up at the next level. Um, when he can get a little bit wonky at times when the thing the feet don't set right, um, he can get a little out of bounds. But look, he's uh, I think the second highest rated PFF tackle in the sport this year. Um, complete tackle in every way. F- t- technically, absolutely, really, really nice and refined with how he puts his hands together, how his feet work up through with his hands together in delivering that punch, maximizing out his power. I really do like Joel, a guy like I would put as a top 10 first round uh, grade on him as well. Who be the number three? Well, I had Latham, but I guess he's playing right tackle, and it sounds like he may end up being a right tackle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe the guy would be Amarius Mims of Georgia. Now, Mims I think is, he's playing left. He's playing right tackle, too. Oh, he is. Okay. Then about, it's actually tough. I don't know, then. How about Jordan Morgan? Jordan Morgan. I do like him. Let me, let me, I got, I got to take a look at some of these names here. Actually, this is tough. <laughs> My bad. I thought they, I thought Mims played on the left. I, I, I got confused, I guess. Uh, Patrick Paul or Jordan Morgan. Mims might be a guy able to play on the left tackle. He's the unusual guy that if you look at Mims, he's like, it's like somebody's done a Madden build a player with a, ta- with a tackle, like the way he's built and how he moves, like. Could be a guy that you that uh, the unusual guy that plays right tackle at college who could go to left at the pro level and it wouldn't be so crazy, right? Like those usually you go wait no that's not gonna work. But like he's the guy that because he is so like you know just those just he's kind of built differently a little bit and with him it's the rawness factor I think for me with Mims you know just him getting his that technical refinement we see with sometimes with Joe Alter times you, you're not necessarily getting there with Mims to me but. Yeah. He might. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm wondering. I'm still wondering if Morgan slides inside at the NFL level. So I, I kind of view him as an interior guy potentially. But if he is a tackle, you're you're probably right. 
I guess it could be him or Patrick Paul, the Houston guy. I think they're valid questions um, with Morgan bouncing in. He is my third guy for whatever it's worth. I, I think that watching uh, Denny, he had the battle there with Trice, didn't they? They had a good fight over that game. And then when Arizona was fading, when um, Arizona faced WSU Washington this year, right? They, they fought, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm remembering the game right. I, the, they win mano and mano in that game. Trice got him a little bit earlier. Morgan held up over the course of that game. It was one I was kind of watching a little bit closer for in their fight, Brendan, because I like Trice a lot. And that gave John Morgan a true battle there at left tackle to see if he could hold up. And I thought I saw enough from him athletically and how he moved in space to be able to make it happen. Is he going to be a star at the level? Do I have a first round grade on him? No. Uh, do I see him more late second round as it stands right now? Yeah. But um, I do like where he is, and I think he's got enough juice as a player to be that third guy for me. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm definitely not against that if he does end up staying outside. Let's flip it on over to uh, right tackle. Who is your uh, first right tackle on the board? Uh, I guess it would be Latham because if we're saying he's a right tackle, then I think I'm going to go JC Latham. Mm-hmm. Uh, I view him as a first round guy. If a team decides they want to spend a first round pick on a right tackle, which I think is starting to become in vogue. I think teams are starting to look at right tackle as being a really valuable position so i feel like he does go in that first round he's uh he's got that alabama stock too that's gonna help you know it is i i I have him as a first round guy yeah i mean hell you want to look we we don't have to go back but two years to find a alabama right tackle taken in the first round in evan neal um and taken high in the first round um if you go back to last year darnell wright who is going to be my comp for J.C. Latham is Darnell Wright, the kid out of Tennessee that went to the mm-hmm. Bears at like 13. So uh, I think it, we are moving into the age where right tackles can be taken in the first round. I uh, love his game. A uh, big man with a huge base, wonderful kick, step, slide. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say his light feet. This is why he's on the right side versus the left side, Brendan, and why I don't why I was kind of pushing back against the thought of him playing any kind of on the left is, you know, for right tackle, He's bouncy for a right tackle. He's got light feet. But if you moved him over to left tackle, now he's kind of got a little bit more of the stone ish sort of feet in how you'd view him over the left blind side. Um, but he's always in control in his past pro reps. Um, nearly equally as good to me as a run blocker. Big, long, you're not getting around him. Um, very, very technically refined for the position. Very clean as a player. A uh, guy that very much you just feel like you're, you know what you're getting in this guy. Um, part of why I like the Darnell Wright comparison. Um, but like Darnell, he's just almost as wide as a house. It's like just getting around him alone is almost a chore in itself. Yeah, yeah, I go, I go with that. So, and then I guess the second guy would have to be um, Mims because I just mentioned him. I think he's another guy who's got more or less a first round grade on him. Mm-hmm. That would be my right tackle too. I think Mims is going to get in the first round, even if the tape doesn't always fit to it because the people will say we can fix the technical stuff. He's bringing so much physical potential to play. And it's not just the way he's built, but the way he can move that you're going to see him taken in the first round. Um, I do have Mims as my third guy, but it's not really as much a declaration about how I look down. He's a first round guy to me. It's much about the for this other guy and how he jumped out to me on the tape um, and stood out. And that's going to be Talese Fuwanga out of Oregon state. Um, when I watched him move for a man, his size, just nobody should move like that at that size. Nobody should be that fluid, that athletic, 
Um, he's so smooth and it sometimes makes it look kind of so easy out there off that right side for some of these other tackles that sometimes really are just out there just fighting through every rep to kind of make it happen. I, I just think that in this day and age, athletic offensive linemen, they're that he's got just nice size, great length. Um, those kind of guys go in the first round. They're just too hard to find. You know, you can find the guys that are big or wide or like JC Latham, you know, big moves his feet well enough. This guy's a guy that is much, much like Mims a little bit to me can maybe be a guy that you can flash over to the left side in a pinch with how well he moves over there on that right side. And he's got the power as well to go with it. Um, I didn't see a lot of flaws in his game and watching him on the tape with what I saw with him out of Oregon state. I'm, I'm really, really high in Fuanga. Yeah. Fuanga's my number three now at this point, because initially um, I had him listed as a guard, but I think you kind of convinced me that he's going to be able to stay at right tackle. And if he is a right tackle, then I do have him as right tackle three. I do have him in the second round still, but close to that mm. first round. So mm. I think we just flipped those two guys, uh, two and three, and we're in alignment on that side. There we go. There we go. So we got the tackles uh, knocked out. Uh, honorable mention for me for Blake Fisher. Honorable mention yes. for you, also Blake Fisher. Yes, he would be my next guy. He's a good player. Uh, we won't go too far into him because, again, we're not going to be looking at these uh, tackles too much because the Hawks are not likely to take one. I think you still have Stone and Jake still able to come back for another year until they're free agents. If I'm Yeah, honest. well, Perhan's going to be a restricted free agent, so you can bring him back super cheap. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And But Stone's definitely under at least one more one more year, I believe. Yes. He's only been through three, so Correct. probably not likely. One position we are likely to look at, Brendan, one we're going to be maybe likely to look at a couple of guys will be the guard position and specifically at the forefront of that with Bradford's ascent this year over the right guard position. The left guard is looking like the one that might be in the target crosshairs for our Seattle Seahawks in this draft. Who is your number one guard in this draft? If your Seattle Seahawks could take the best guard in this draft to fit in right there between cross and maybe Oluwatimi there for the future, who are you grabbing? Well, I got a first round grade on two guys. Ooh. First guy, and these guys are both playing tackle right now, but I think they slide inside when they get to the NFL. Uh, let's start with Graham Barton of Duke. Just a really rock-solid guy, part of a great dominant rushing attack they've got over there. Uh, I think once he slides inside, you're going to see his weaknesses as a player really fade away. Because uh, right now, you do see a little bit of he can't quite keep up with the edge rushers. But you slide him inside, he'll have no problems with that. So I think he is kind of a prototypical left guard for the modern NFL in this offense. Agreed. Uh, he he gives you a versatility that we're not going to get from the other guy we're going to talk here, even though I think um, the other guy we're talking about also is playing left tackle. I think Barton, you do get him in a pinch, and he could probably play just about everywhere on the offensive line. His best spot, I think, will be left guard. He can be a guy to maybe even give you um, Pro Bowl level of play there at guard when you kick him into that point. But in a pinch, if you find yourself to where you're decimated on the line and you got to move some parts around, he can be moved around over there and, and fit in, which does help his value out. I do have him as my number two guard in this draft. I do have him in the second round because I just don't think he provides kind of the, the dominance that I see on tape I'd like to see for a guy to take him in the first round. But can't deny his flexibility. Can't deny we haven't maybe gotten to see him at his best position in college because of the fact he's had to play left tackle. Um, and that's where this becomes a little bit projection with him a bit. But I love his play, Brendan. A heady player, smart player, can move in space, act like as hell. I mean, there's a lot of these guards that have cut, kicked inside. We're playing one this week, Sam Cosme, kid that was a great right tackle out of Texas who the commanders kicked inside to guard. 
similar kind of thing you're going to do here with Graham Barton and then, and team, a lot of teams do this, this is the pathway to get yourself more athletic, more athletic guys at the left guard position. And that's been one of the big problems with Damian Lewis here at the forefront is a, or any left guard we've had there recently is a, a lack of mobility and athleticism to be able to move in space. Yeah, I agree. Number two on your list. Uh, that would be the other round one guy, Cooper Bebe. I think both these guys are very, very close. And Cooper Bebe is actually kind of sliding back and forth between tackle and guard. Uh, I've noticed um, if you look at his PFF chart, you can see that he's playing some tackle, some guard for that team, depending on what they need. I've mm -hmm. watched a couple of Kansas State games where he, you can see him going back and forth. He's uh, given up a little bit more. He's been a little sloppier than Barton this year, I think, in pass protection. But again, he's another guy that is going to slide inside and his issues with agility and lateral quickness are not going to matter quite as much. I think he's going to be plenty agile for a guard in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I look at him very similarly to how I look at Graham Barton. Yeah, I'm very, very high on Bebe. I've been high on him. I would have thought he would have been the best guard coming out of last year's draft, in my opinion. Um, and I think he is getting moved out to tackle a little bit more this year than he was last year. And when you see him at guard and you're operating in there, he's comfortable. He fits his size is plus. His movement abilities are plus. He's he's got a great understanding of how to play the position and his refinement of it. And you know, his hands hit the right spot. He's never out wide. Um, he bullies guys on the football field at the second level. He's a finisher, um, a very complete game. Bebe brings to the table, and I would love to see the Hawks draft him on draft day. If we take him in the first round, in the late first round, uh, I'll be doing handstands because uh, I, I've been watching him for a couple of years, and I trust a lot in this particular assessment of this particular player that he is going to be a very good NFL player at the next level. I, uh, I agree. I would love to have either guy at the end of round one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, me too. I wouldn't, I'm not Barton as well. Uh, don't get me wrong. Barton, I'm, I'm currently investment in the offensive line is great, especially when you're investing in what I would consider to be clean, you know, not clean prospects, but fairly, fairly clean prospects and where there's not as much risk as you might have in other positions, you know what you're kind of getting. And, and that's not to say empty upsides. You have upside with what you know you're getting. Who is your number three left guard in this draft? Uh, this is another guy who's currently playing tackle, but I think he slides inside. Javion Cohen of the Miami Hurricanes. I've had my eye on this guy since last year. Uh, he played for Alabama last year, I believe. So mm -hmm. it was a transfer to Miami. He's playing pretty well over there. Miami, a lot of games this year, they've been dominant running the ball. I think when he slides inside, his mobility issues will be cleared up. He's plenty mobile enough to slide inside. Um, I, um, I, uh, really like his ability to move in space as far as being a guard goes. That's the thing that stands out to me. So I think he's going to be a good fit for this offense. Uh, I like, uh, Mr. Cohen as well. Um, quite a bit. I do have a little bit of a, as he's my fourth guy rather than my third guy on my list. Um, I do see him as a pass blocking left guard who, like you say, would be a pure scheme fit for what we want to do from a mobility athletic standpoint, you know, pull back across the formation, uh, get out into the second level, get out in the screen game and help to improve that. Uh, a guy like Cohen would be able to bring a lot to the table to help you in that area of things. Um, he does, I think, struggle a little bit in the run game that has me just that's where I dinged a little bit in taking him from being a second round prospect to a third round prospect is I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a 
inconsistency there that you get there from him in the run game. But some of that might be mitigated if he can do some of the mobility run game stuff that's not about just driving a guy off the ball and more about reaching, hitting your reach block or getting to that second level block. And so that's not as maybe a, a big of a defining issue because I think you're right to look at him at the value you've placed on him being the mobility. And that's what in these linemen now we've got to put at the head at the forefront a bit and who we're looking at. Can you move? Can you move in space? That's what this offense is about, especially taking better advantage of the lateral portions of this offense, the horizontal uh, portions and not the vertical portions of this offense. My third guy is a guy that's in it. This is going to be an extrapolation one for me where I know some people are thinking this is happening. Some aren't. Um, maybe I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. If you're buying what I'm selling on this one, which is going to be Troy Fautonu of uh, Washington. The guy's playing left tackle for them right now, but I see him kicking inside at the next level. Are you buying what I'm selling? I think that's probably what's going to happen here. It's yeah. uh, I don't think he's going to play left tackle in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Like I don't see that. So therefore, you know, left tackle, you fail down to right tackle. And then if you fail at right tackle, you go to left guard. And then <laughs> if you fail at left guard, you go to right. Like, you know, that's how it works. It's like hitting the branches when you're falling down the tree. And eventually you find the branch that'll hold you. Uh, you know, why not just skip falling down the tree and just go find the branch that actually suits you? I, I think Troy Fatanu playing guard makes sense. I like what he brings. I, he brings up, I think, at the forefront a little bit of pass protection. But hey, you saw this last week with the Husky rusher getting 250 on USC that he can do some run blocking as well. I think there's a lot of shades of what I see in Barton. And I, this is the reason I also have him very well put together is that Barton and Troy, I think, are very much similar and that they're guys that can play all across your line, like you just sort of intimated on them. But they're also guys that I think could be really solid left guards in these league. Um, maybe they don't get to a star level, but they are going to be high floor guys that you can get in where you can put them and know what you're getting out of them. Um, along with the versatility that they bring to play. Maybe not flashy prospects, maybe not high upside prospects. But right now, you could make an argument for finding guys that you know a little bit more of what you're getting, where we've got holes on this team that we just need to really fix up those big holes. And it doesn't have to be star quality. We've got star power in other places. We just need more things to fit to you know, a, a, a functional level, where it's non-functional here, non-functional there, and this, is, and then that all kind of keeps the whole offense from being functional when those those all three factors or four factors go together. So guys like this that I think you know what you're getting coming in and what they're going to bring. Okay. Right guard. Let's move on over to there. Um, I would probably say I, I had Fuaga here, but now I think you've convinced me that he's going to play tackle. So I think my top right guard, I, I'm tempted to say Zach Zinter is my top guy here. Michigan, uh, really solid overall season. Every game he's played, he's been graded well. Part of that dominant Michigan offensive line that just seems to win every battle they get into. Probably the Michigan offensive lineman who I'm the highest on in terms of being added as a Seahawk. Um, I uh, I don't know. I'm you guys. You know how I feel about right guards. I don't want to spend too much capital to get one. Mm -hmm. But if Zinter's there in round two, uh, like let's say we trade up with from our third round picks to the second round late, and he's there, I'm I'm not against it because I think he's going to be a really solid right guard in the NFL. Agreed. Yeah, no, I uh, I feel the same way. Zinter is going to be my um, number one right guard on the list as well. He is uh, another one in a, in a line of Graham Bardens or Troy Fontanus, uh, Bebe's uh, that are fairly clean offensive line prospects. For instance, when we were looking at Osiris Torrance last year, 
I wasn't sure with him if that's a guy that, you know, okay, he's big, but he can't really move, but I don't know what I'm, you, you really know in these guys what you're going to get. And Zach, like you said, has been solidly graded in every game with Michigan this year. He's a complete player, both good in pass protection, and he can definitely clear out rushing lanes. He can move in space. He arrives with bad intentions um, as a blocker. He's a finisher. Um, you know, quintessential kind of Harbaugh lineman. And we went there last year with the Oluwatimi pick. So this team definitely has a predilection to lean in and, and liken these guys a little bit, maybe um, even players in that program. We took two Michigan players last year with Mike Morris in addition to that. But uh, Zinter is another prospect who, though he plays right guard, like Brendan saying, it's not the highest uh, value. This is a really clean prospect. I don't know if there's a lot of negatives to his game that's going to be able to be presented, especially if you look at him through the lens of being a real pure right guard. He moves better than Avilia and Osiris Torrance, who were both second round picks last year. And I think he's every bit, if not better, a player than those two guys were. I agree. Who's your number two? My number two would probably be Christian Mahogany. Mahogany. Uh, Does your house smell like Mahogany? Mm-hmm. I uh, admittedly don't know if he's going to play left or right in the NFL. I think it could go either way, but I suspect it'll be right guard. I got a round three grade on him. Boston College runs the ball for like 8,000 yards every single game they play this year, and he's at the forefront of that. Big reason why they do. They run behind him a lot. And uh, he's just solid. Uh, I would say I'm a little concerned about his pass protection in the NFL because he Boston College doesn't throw the ball like ever this year. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's a right guard. It's more important to run block. So I, I'm, I'd put a round three grade on him. Yeah, I, I like that as well. Uh, he's He is a guy I've got uh, – I dipped him a little down from Marlis when we talked. He's my third guy now. I put a guy up at number two, but he's in the third spot for me. Um, he doesn't look like he should move good when you look at his body, but then he starts to get to moving out there, and you're like, oh, man, he's actually out there you know, covering some ground post snap. And what, the, uh, what Boston College asked him to do in run blocking there, they've got some creative run blocking schemes. They don't just ask their guys to mono and mono match up and you know blast the guy off the line, so there's some – there is some, a little bit of echoes, I guess, to our scheme and what we ask our linemen to do or what we want them to do. I think he's going to be able to hit the reach blocks. I think he's got a good NFL-sized body, good long, good length, um, good strength. Um, there's some things that you go a little bit worried about with him, but overall I think you feel pretty good that he's going to be a competent player in this league and he would be a fit to our scheme. Okay. Who's your number two? My number two is uh, Tate Ratledge. Mm. Tate Ratledge is my number two. Yeah, he's a guy that's been. Um, let's get my notes up. Sorry, here. Let me. Not a problem. Get him up. Everything's buried. I don't have it under like uh, you know, greatly put out. A uh, monster size, a right guard. He can move in space. Another one of those guys that just arrives with absolutely just bad intentions. I mean, he's maybe one of the more nastier linemen you'd find in this whole draft, in my opinion, Brendan. He's looking to take souls. Uh, is Tate Ratledge. And I love that in my linemen. It's one of the things that's been great about watching Bradford go out on the field this year is that he gets out there and he gets after it. He's not just looking to block his guys. He's he's looking to, to you know, cause some damage, I guess, a little bit for lack of a better. Not bad, not, you know, not cheating damage, just that he's looking to be what you do on the NFL field, which is dominate your guy physically. Um, he's not super athletic, but this is the right guard position, man. It's about being big and powerful and being able to take those nose tackles and drive them out of the hole. That's just what Tate Ratledge can do. Yeah. So that's a good one. That's another good one. That's the guy I've had my eye on over the last uh, few weeks as well. Who did we get through your third? I think we got your third. Uh, My third, I was pretty torn. It was either Ratledge, like you said, who I think would be better for the Seahawks. So I do lean that way. However, 
I do think if you're running the right offensive scheme, Donovan Jackson might be a better prospect. I, I think both those guys are on a pretty equal plane. For the Seahawks, I would say Ratledge would be my number three guy. But uh, Donovan Jackson, I think, is graded similarly for me, even though I don't like him as much for the Seahawks because he's more of just a road grader. Yeah, that's my one worry with him. And I got to give him credit because he started out not necessarily having the greatest start of the year look like, but he's really gotten himself, it seems like, back to to rolling there in Ohio State. He's just a big mauler, man. And, and if you're going to run the old scheme, you know, you might have him. But I that's the problem I have with him is I do like him. But, you know, where does he where does he fit in this particular scheme that we run? Cause he's going to have a hard time getting out in those reach hit and reach blocks alone, I think would be really difficult for Donovan. I wouldn't want to ask him to do it very often. I agree. We got a uh, couple of donations here. Just want to stay on top of these. So I'm not too far behind here on these uh, or a donation. Sorry, snail. Thank you for the $5 donation. Snail this is hypothetical. Panthers get the first pick and do the smart thing and draft Williams. <laughs> JC gives up a 2025 first or second for young. How do you feel about it? Well, the Panthers don't have their first pick because they gave it to the bears in the Bryce young trade for yeah. starters. Yeah. Um, Bryce young to me looks completely lost. Like um, there's actually been some, uh, the, uh, a lot of the analytical guys on X go back and forth about Bryce young every week about just how he just looks completely out of his element, which even that surprises me. I, I didn't like, Bryce Young at all coming out, but I didn't think he was going to be like overwhelmed the way that he looks so far. No, the whole thing with him is supposed to, he's supposed to be able to process really well and be ahead of it with his, you know, mental application for the position. So you wouldn't think that as well, though. Again, like you just said, neither you nor I were particularly high on Young. We got asked the question a million times about whether we want him on the Hawks, and neither you nor I at any point in time were like, yeah, let's do that. You know, the size issues and all that remain what they were. And then, you know, you, you can't see. That's the thing. There's times he just can't see. Like, there's times Kyler Murray can't see. Like, there's times Russell can't see. There's times these smaller quarterbacks just can't see over the pocket. It makes it hard to play the position when you're blind at certain plays for a portion of the field or part of the play. Bless you, Brennan. Um, but uh, yeah, let's just say it was the Bears, Brennan. Uh, let's snail. I'm gonna let me let me uh, hi hijack your question and turn it in a way that we can make it functional. Because like Brennan said, the Panthers don't have their first round pick this year. So let's say it is the Bears, <clears throat> and the Bears are going to give up Fields, and they'll give you Fields for a second future second round pick, or your two third round picks this year. Fields is awful. <laughs> like Fields, I'm sorry, but. The, the forward pass was invented over a hundred years ago and nobody told Justin Fields, I guess, because I, I'm sorry. He, he's just bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I probably wouldn't do it either. So uh, snails, no, I'd, I'd, I'd roll with our role and I'd rather tr try one of these second, third round quarterbacks we were talking about earlier on the show than um, going for a guy that's failed out like a Fields has. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, or young, I wouldn't, I just still don't want young anyway. I don't, I just don't have a huge amount of value put on him as far as where I see him as a player. And it certainly hasn't improved now with him stumbling out of the blocks to start this out. All right. So let's go to their final offensive position here, which you're going to be, which is going to be, and thank you snail for that $5 donation. I appreciate you on that uh, center position. Let's take a look at the center. Who is your number one graded center on the board? I think there's a clear number one this year, Cedric Van Pran, 
of the Georgia Bulldogs. Loved this guy last year. He broke my heart when he didn't come out. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not against what happened last year because we got Oluwatimi in the fifth, and I'm very high on Oluwatimi. But Van Pran, I think, is a round two guy. Moves really well. Uh, has good control of pre snap stuff, as you need your center to be in the NFL these days. A um, lot of stuff to really like here. Maybe you don't have the raw strength that you see with some centers, but I don't think that's as important for us. So, yeah, I would go round two with Van Pran. Yeah, I just think he's a very complete center for what he brings. Like you, I was um, definitely not loving that he didn't come out last year. It would have been a very interesting pick for the Hawks to take a look at him. Um, I think he would have stood out to them. He brings um, plus size and plus length to the position, plus mobility to the position. He's very good at blocking on the move. So you get him blocked up and you're trying to go laterally, let's say on an outside zone or pitch play, and you need a lineman to be blocking the guy and then also moving laterally as they block. He does a really good job of keeping his feet and keeping the guy blocked. Uh, you can trust him one-on-one -on -one as a center to hold up against nose tackles or three techs. Um, he's got good feet and pass protection. He that They slide really nice and smoothly. Um, he doesn't seem to get overwhelmed. Like you say, pass protection is really where he shines. Run blocking is where there's a little bit more maybe you'd want from him to a degree, though he can hit the elemental parts, the reach blocks and stuff, which I think is more than just driving the guy off the ball with the center in our, in our scheme. It's more that that you really would love to see. But um, complete center, a guy that I do put right now is a late first-round grade on because I just mm. think he's going to be such an easily clean prospect for teams to look at and see. I can see what he's going to do with the center. Uh, he's in that He's in that Linderbaum – um, who was the guy last year? Schmitz, you know, to me, he's in that yeah. range of things where I'm not saying it's a high first round pick. It would be a later, like 28, 29, 30, 31, 32 ish, or maybe even the top of the second, but I do see him going there. Yeah, I could see it because there's no other center. Like, honestly, I don't think another center goes until day three. Ooh. So if you want a top center, you might have to be like, okay, this is our chance to get Van Pran. We have to do it. Even though. It's round one, and we might prefer not to, but we just have to. Yeah, very well could have to. I mean, that's and that's what's caused, I think, in like Linderbaum's case, you had the same thing playing out. I mean, that's to make your point on that. Even last year with Schmitz, right? Wasn't it kind of the same way with him? I mean, there were some people that liked other centers better than Schmitz, but the consensus by the time we got to the draft was like Schmitz, and then there's a fall off to the kind of the next guys. They're they're good, but they're like more round or two later on, you know, in difference. But yeah. That could definitely cause him to get taken a little bit higher because of the scarcity of the position in this draft. Who's uh, your number two center? Uh, I go Zach Frazier, the uh, Mountaineer guy. I got him in round four. More of a road grader than Van Pran. More of a run blocker, which is what you would expect from a uh, w uh, WVU center. But uh, maybe he was a little kid watching Geno Smith play football for WVU. I don't know. Probably. So. Maybe he's always wanted to play with Geno Smith. But, um, yeah, nothing too exciting here. I have a round four grade on him. I like him, but I don't know if he necessarily fits. And, uh, yeah, more of a run blocker to me. Yeah, he's um, – I, I, the thing I have a hard time with him on is I have a fourth-round grade on him. I think he will be able to be a center in this sport, but I think that he's got really heavy, heavy feet, and he's going to be at his best staying in a phone booth rather than having to get out and block in space. Um, not very much snappy about his movements. Something you also look at with our linemen is just how everything's kind of a little bit labored and coming up and getting, mm, you know, it's like, I feel like you should have that beep, beep, beep thing as he's coming up out of his stance sometimes. 
Um, but he's got a real wide body. He's got strong hands. When he lands on contact, he can really jolt guys. Um, do like him overall as a prospect. Just I think he's not necessarily maybe a scheme fit to what we do. Though I'll agree with you where there's not just necessarily a lot of really good linemen um, as it stands here in this draft. Uh, my number two is going to be Jackson Powers Johnson, the hyphenation, uh, the man with three three last names. Um, <clears throat> Jackson Powers to me is uh, a guy that can maul and can move. Um, another guy like Van Pran that can block really well on the move, something I look for. I, I think he is smooth as absolute silk when it comes to his combination blocking. You know, centers have this timing thing, and old team he did this really well last year as well, where you come off, you have to snap the ball, lay some initial contact, slide off of it very, very quickly and get to your second level block and lay the second level block with force. You can't cheese out on the first block because if you don't help your guy in the first block, that initial hole's not created. And you can't cheese out on the second part of the block to actually get the second level block laid because if the linebacker dips you and, and is able to you know shed the block away, it's going to be a tackle. And it's hard. You see what you see in linemen doing these kind of blocks, tenors as well, is they'll do one assignment, but they won't do the other. And with uh, Jackson Powers, the thing I really loved about him is that bam, 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 bam. And it would just be very smooth from one to the next when you're asking him to go from one task to the next, which is what you ask centers to do in a stunt game. Pick this guy up. This guy's sliding to you. Your reactions are so very important. Um, not the most powerful, but absolutely, in my opinion, really, really athletic for the position and tenacious. Uh, so what he makes up for in power, he brings with tenaciousness. And uh, I do like him as a second round guy. The only second round grade I got in the center right now, but, and then it goes to fourth round for me. I'm with you on the, the, the talent of the center position definitely drops off in this one, right. but uh, I just liked him as a fit. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to look into uh, Powers Johnson a little bit more. That's pretty intriguing. I, he hasn't really been on my radar. Obviously I know who he is because I watch Oregon a lot, but okay. I'm going to have to look at him in a different, uh, through a different lens, as they say. Well, I know how it is with you Huskies watching Oregon players. It's your eyes are bleeding. You know what I mean? You, you, yeah. you, you keep out, you keep trying to look away from the screen, like a reflective action, you know, almost like, almost like you're throwing up, but you're looking away. You know, you know when, when we played them last month, those were some ugly jerseys. They looked They're, like the, they were, they had duck poo on them. Yeah. What are you doing? Those you were, were some the... bad jerseys. Like, like you got the whole wide world of jerseys to, uh, to pick from if you're playing for Oregon and that's what you pick for the rivalry game. It's literally with duck poo, dude. Like mm -hmm. that's the look they're going like, they're trying to, we're going to be the whole duck and part will be the poo too part. Like that. Yeah. It was an awful looking Jersey. I don't know yeah. why they, who told them that was good, but that, that was a failure. And they, that's why they lost really. If you think about it, that was the reason. Very true. Uh, who's your third guy. I had a heck of a time finding the third guy. Best I could <laughs> do was uh, Bryce Foster of Texas A&M. That's really it. And I don't have much to say about him. I think he's worthy of like a seventh round pick. I need to find more centers. I, I've had a yeah. heck of a time finding one. I think some of these guards are going to convert to center, but I don't know which ones. I need to try to figure that out. It's probably true, considering especially how weak this class is. Um, he's a big guy. Uh, takes up a tremendous amount of space. He is wide, wide as hell. Um Powerful as hell, really good punch. Foster, I do him as a fifth round guy just because he loses his feet every other snap. He's stumbling and bumbling and and you know all over. I, I've got Matt Lee, fourth round guy. I have as my third, just a little bit ahead of Zach Frazier, but very close to the same spot. Um, good pop off the snap. Usually excellent hand placement. Really gets them inside and drives it up. You don't see him, you know, panicking and everything's to the outside. He's he's really 
proficient in his hand use, which I, is going to be nice. He's very bouncy in pass protection. So I like where he, I think his movement's going to be pretty good. Um, and he does a good job of sticking with the twitchier lineman out there, but he does get overwhelmed by sometimes the more powerful guys. Um, and he's got a creative little pancake movie does where he doesn't pancake guys where he puts them up and flat backs him. He has a guy that'll first he'll give up ground and get smacked. And then he twists the guy and then lays on him. <laughs> and he makes, and it's not a hold Brendan. You know what I mean? Like he just does that thing where he can read, he can recover and then readjust and then, then just sort of fall, throws his body weight on the guy and it works. It's like his own little technique, but another guy in the fourth round. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's turn this uh, over here to the defense. And again, on the defense, we're going to have some positions we spend a little bit more time on, like let's say defensive tackle versus let's say ones we're not, which is going to be cornerback and safety because we're not really anticipating that we're going to cover a lot on that. So let's start out with the most maybe important position, I think, by needs coming to this draft, absent maybe middle linebacker, and that would be defensive tackle, Brendan. Right. Who's your number one guy on your board for DT? Well, I've kind of divided things up into two groups. I have the defensive linemen, and then I have the nose tackles. Okay. Because you have, I think there's a big difference between these 350-pound barrels full of dirt and then you have these 300-pound um, defensive linemen that are playing 4-I and 3-Tech and stuff like that. Um, so do you want to chop it up like that, or do you want to just kind of group it all together? Let's group it together because I think we can delineate between as we're talking about them, and I think we're going to talk about all these guys anyway. Um, okay. Well, I got one round one guy. He's a very good one, though. He's really come on strong lately. It's Jerzan Newton of uh, Auburn. No, wait, no, wait, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Auburn. Illinois. 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 So um, he is really about the only thing they've got going on that Illinois defense right now. They have gone from the best defense in college football last year with uh, Witherspoon and uh, Adam and got who were the safeties they had? Sidney Brown and uh, Martin, Q, Q Martin, yeah, Devin Witherspoon. Martin. Yeah, it was a dominant defense to a defense that is actually kind of bad. Jerzan Newton's like Atlas holding the whole globe up on his shoulders. Uh, but he has really been dominant lately. And uh, I think he's clearly DL1. And I think he is clearly the one defensive lineman who at this point is guaranteed to go in round one. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, some shades of an old uh, Seahawks, Sam Adams to his game to me. Kind of a guy's got a big old, big old belly coming up out of his jersey. But yet he's got some odd first step quickness and quickness in general for a man his size. Uh, he's a guy that's I've struggled with at times. I liked him a lot at first and didn't like him as much at the start of this year. I find myself, this is why we got to have this as a process, Brendan, is you got to go through all the tape a bit. I find myself warming more and more up to him as the year goes along. And the more tape I start to watch this season, uh, he could give you, I think, both some three tech and one tech ability. I think he's got the ability to go between the two. Uh, a little bit all all like a Leonard Williams. I think he's probably me to me, a guy that'll get overdrafted because of how light the defensive tackle position is going to be in the first round. And that he's the one clear guy out there that's worthy of it. And that's going to probably have him being picked higher than he should, which is more like being a guy that should probably be a top 15 guy to me than being a guy that's going to be probably a top 10 to maybe top seven, eight guy. Yeah, I, I don't view him like that. I don't. And honestly, in this draft, I don't see him going in the top 10. I could see top 15. Yeah. Even that, though, I feel like this is just a little overdraft. Like I liked. I like Kalijah can't see more coming out last year's draft than him. I I think I could get behind that. I loved Cansey. Yeah, I just did. And Cansey went 19, of course, in the first yeah. round just ahead of us, which he's looking pretty good for Tampa Bay, too. Oh, really? I thought he got hurt. Didn't he, like, tear his Achilles in the 
No, I just saw a, a, an ex, a little X okay. highlight on somebody was showing some of the cutups of him playing. And so they're like, they got one down there in Tampa Bay or something. Is what right. they were saying. Um, okay. Let's go to the, uh, the next guy you've got on your list. Who's your number two? Who's your well, number two? I'm going to go with Tavondre sweat here. And I'm, um, by the way, I'm with you on that. I don't know if I made that clear. I'm with you on mm-hmm. the, the Newton one, by the way. Yeah. Um, this one's tough. There are a lot of guys I have a round three grade on, but to me, Sweat is pushing into round one very quickly. He's just so good. He's so fun. He's really providing a lot as a pass rusher. Texas has a bunch of games this year where they allow like 1.2 yards per carry and you just can't run on them. And he's a big reason why he's one of those nose tackles that also gives you a lot of push into the pocket. There's just a lot to like from Tavondre Sweat. He's, um, I, um, he, he might get to, um, Mason, uh, what was the name of the, uh, nose tackle last year? Mozzie Smith territory. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I might like him more than Mozzie Smith because this guy can rush the passer. Yeah. And he's also got a little more of a naturally big bot. Whereas Mozzie Smith was kind of like a weird one tech. He was good size, but it somewhat didn't always make sense. Right. Cause he was also a guy that kind of had like shades of a three tech body who could, who just was really good in one tech stuff. This guy's got a one tech body. He looks like it's re- real wide and he takes up a lot of space. It's going to be hard to get your second level blockers around him. He's going to require double teams at the next level. Uh, he's been the guy that maybe has raised up in my eyes as any prospect from where I had him looked at last year, Brendan got a quite a few of these guys we looked at last year and then looked at them where they're at this year. I think his stock is really raised in my mind because I had a more last year watching his tape of kind of a fourth round guy heavily rotated out, didn't give you anything as a pass rusher and really was just a run defender. He's come forward as a pass rusher this year, uh, 85 to put this in perspective, 85 pass rush grade. So yeah. he's, he is absolutely on top of being the second rated lame. He's the highest rated lineman in PFF in college football. But um, he's really showing you a complete player. I, I struggle at this point to quite get him into first-round territory, but I think you make a good argument for it. I think there is a, a great argument to me that's where he's going to eventually be landing here, especially considering a guy like Maze Smith last year and where he went. Um, the one thing I'd wonder about that is that, you know, do the Cowboys and do the NFL look at that pick with Maze last year going, yeah, that was you guys being smart and where you picked him, or oh, you went a little high, should have been more of a second-round guy you took up in the first round because you kind of fell in love with him. He's not been good yet. I'll say that. He barely plays. Yeah. That's, that's where I wonder with that a little bit, but Tavondre has been really good and he's, he's as big, he is big and wide and just, yeah, he's a, he's a load. Who's uh and by the way, I agree with you on that too. I have a second round grade, but he's my number two uh, Mm -hmm. D tackle. So we are in alignment so far. Who's number three for you? Uh, This one's tough, but I am going to go with Chris Jenkins of Michigan. It's really close with me between him and Leonard Taylor, but Jenkins has been better this year. Mm -hmm. I feel like Leonard Taylor has upside that just hasn't been seen yet this year. Like, I I, I don't know. There's just something weird going on with this season, but Chris Jenkins just always just kind of brings it huge part of that Michigan defense being so dominant, really good against the run, provides some good stuff against the pass. Doesn't ever really have a game where he just blows up and goes crazy. He's just kind of consistently good every game, well-rounded, not not a uh, much I can take away from Chris Jenkins. Agreed. I think you put it in a great way. I and I can't really add a whole lot extra than what you put it as. Um, absolute great run defender. Um, he's going to help whatever defensive line rotation he fits into. Is he a star? Or is he this? Is he that? I, I don't know. I know that if I if I bring him and I add him to my defensive line, he's going to help that defensive line out. He's going to be a player up there. He's going to make my defense better. And uh, I don't have Jenkins quite 
I have a one player behind where you're at. So we're pretty much close on this one. I do have him as a second round grade. I think the pass rush is going to come along with him in time. I know that's not been a, as big a vibrant part of his game so far, but it's not been a bad part of his game. And that is a part that I think can take a little bit of a step forward um, with the tools that he has to work with. But uh, I like Chris Jenkins quite a bit. And uh, that's a great, great play on that. Um, my number two guy is going to be Tyleek Williams out of Ohio State. Um, another guy that, three, right? My number three. Sorry, number yeah. three. Um, a one kind of a one tech guy. Really good, uh, really good grades this year in how he's played it for Ohio State. I think he has ascended past Michael Hall Jr., the other defensive tackle that's highly rated there with Ohio State. Um, I think he's just a better all-around player, um, a guy that does cut his teeth, much like with Chris Jenkins in run defense, but then does give you a little bit of pass rush, but can give you at times almost dominance in his run defense as a defensive tackle. Um, really, I think a pretty safe player when you go out there and, and look to get this guy in what you know what you're getting from him. Um, he's listed 320. I think he's 340. Uh, he'll be a stout zero tech, one tech, and uh, I don't have any issues at that point grabbing him. It's probably a little early to take him in the second round, maybe, but I just do feel like he's just got a solid all around grade. And I, because I'm so comfortable in knowing what I'm getting from him, it allows me to feel a little bit okay with putting him in that spot. Yeah. I like Tyleek a lot as well. He's to me like Tavondre Sweat, but not quite as much pass rush, but he's been the central part of a really good run defense that Ohio state's had this year. You like, like you said, Michael Hall jr. I think has been unimpressive this year. Um, honestly, I'm not in love with uh, Tommy Eichenberg's play. So no. I look at Tyleek Williams and I say, he is uh, the main reason why they're so stout up front. Like, I think he is the linchpin of all that. So I really like, uh, I really like Tyleek as well. I would put him in round two. Awesome. So we're greens there. Um, number uh, four, who would be your guy? Tyreek. Tyreek. And so yeah. I had, you know, I just, we just flipped ours there. Uh, number uh, five. Uh, my number five, I would say is Leonard Taylor. He's a really tough one. He hasn't played a ton this year, but when he does, he's a, a dominant pass rusher. His pass rush grade is off the charts for Miami. But you're definitely betting on his potential more than you are um, sitting pretty with his production, I would say. 100% right, man. He's twitch, twitchy. I go round two. Yeah, he's he's super twitchy, isn't he? And just, um, I, I mean, he's kind of a, can at times look like he could be a, a TFL machine back there. He doesn't quite get to that point like you talked about in his consistency, but he always feels like he's winning on his the first step of his get off and putting that lineman in a bind of having to be in kind of a recovery mode, which makes you want to see more meat on the bone from his production this past year than what you've gotten out of him. Like you said, it's just been a bit of a weird year there um, for him down there in Miami. I still do put a second round grade on him, Brendan. He's just at the back of my stack. I've got, for me in this one, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. I got seven second round grades on these defensive tackles. He's the final guy for me in that second round that I have that second round grade on. I'm trusting that you're going to be able to top, tap into that upside, but it hasn't quite been there as consistently, consistently as you'd like. That's why he's dipped down for me, but I still like him a lot as a player. Yeah. Uh, my guy is going to be Deontay Corleone out of Cincinnati. Mm, I like him. I like him a lot, man. You, you remember those players, Brendan, that like you can, I can explain about Biggie is how he shouldn't move like he does for his size. 
I, I can break down the parameters of this guy, but aren't there just sometimes those players that you look at on tape and you go, there's just something about the way this guy's moving and going about his business that looks a little bit different. And do you, am I, do you get that kind of thing about certain guys too as well? Or am I a little bit? Oh, oh absolutely. Like, like sometimes they look like they got to belong to a different species because yeah. of how they move compared to how big they are. That's like, like I, I do this more in the NBA, but somebody like Shaq, he, mm-hmm. he should not be able to move the way that he moved when he was younger for a guy who's 350 pounds, seven foot one, but he did. Absolutely. And this guy's that way. He is as strong as an ox. He is a complete player that is in both the, the run as a great run stuffer provides pass rush. Um, he's going to require double teams. He's got a little bit of juice to be able to move in addition to that. I, I love the look of him on just watching the raw tape of him. Then you go and you watch it and match it up to what you see from him statistically with PFF. And he's holding up there as one of the better rated uh, defensive tackle graded guys out there across the sport as well. Guy that doesn't get as much tape out there or discussion out there. Some of even a couple other guys we're going to talk about in this list here that still we got to get into on this, but love his game, Brendan. And he would be one of those guys that would have me as just about as excited as any guy that we could take on draft day because he's starting to become one of those personal affinity guys, you know, one of one of Brandon's guys, you know. Yeah, I, I like him too. We've talked about him before. He's been pretty impressive for Cincinnati. Not a great year for the Bearcats, though, admittedly. Like there have been no. some years where they've been there have been like 18 draftable players on that roster. This is not one of those years. Well, but, that's where uh, I think, like you mentioned Illinois. Don't you think it's a bit like you, you go through a couple of years of that where you lose that much talent back to back years and it's like restocking it is easier said than done. And you might've had some good draft classes and all that, but like there's kind of that college football is like that where you're turning, usually you're turning it. There's a, a year or two in there. You're turning things over for a second. Even the the good programs kind of finding your footing as you've lost a talent for, you know, it just happens. Sometimes you'll lose four or five, six. It's going to happen to the Huskies a little bit this year. You know, they'll have a, they've done a good job of stocking behind it, but it makes it hard sometimes you know, talent drain. Yeah. Who's uh, our next guy on the list for you on the defensive tackle position? Um, I go Tyler Davis of Clemson. One of the few guys on that Clemson defense that hasn't disappointed me this year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's it's not been great, but Tyler Davis, I think kind of stands out. I still have a round two grade on him. I just like what he's doing just in general on the interior there, providing a good amount of pass rush as a uh, interior defensive lineman holding stout. And allowing those linebackers to play really well behind him. Although we'll we'll talk about those guys in a second. They're not exactly doing great themselves. But uh, no. I think Tyler Davis is probably the uh, guy from Clemson that I currently covet the most. Yeah, I like him here too. I've got him, him and Brandon Dorless are neck and neck right here. So I basically have him in about the same place from where I stand. He's got a great, great rip move. The best rip move you know, the best rip move in, uh, and probably on the defensive tackle position in this draft. I love his flexibility. I think he's a guy that can play one or three tech. Uh, they moved him all over the place on that line. I know he's only 300 pounds, but he does a good job at six, two of using leverage to really gain an advantage time and time again, then he can go to that rip move. So he gets the leverage and then he goes to the rip move often. And it's, uh, he's able to really get freed with that. Like you say, I think he's one of the, um, He's one of the few uh, defensive players on this Clemson defense that, let's just face it, hasn't been underperforming in the last couple of years, right? Because this has been a kind of a yeah. commonality thing we've seen in recent times. Like, what's going on over there? You guys got all this talent that's not performing at times. Um, if his initial move is stymied, he doesn't have a big counter that he can go to, but he has got a lot of talent. He's got some refinement to him. Uh, I love his flexibility. I see him as a second-round guy, another one of those guys highly graded by PFF this year. He's done his job. Um, 
do like his game quite a bit. He brings a lot to the table, man, for the for the player that he is. I think you mm-hmm. can move him all around the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and count down Tyler there. Who's your next guy there below that? Um, I'm gonna go with this is actually a guy I just bumped up because I thought he played really well last week, Dorless of Oregon. Yeah. Uh he had like six pressures in that uh game. Who were they playing? Uh Cal. Not yeah. a great team or anything, but he uh had a bunch of pressures in the Washington game. Like he's just every game it seems like he's harassing the opposing quarterback. So I'm I'm he's growing on me and it took a while. I had him below a couple guys until this most recent week, but he's uh coming on strong. Yeah, he didn't have a great 2022 tape either, by the way. I, my his 22 tape was made you feel like you had a bit of a tweener on your hands. Um he has come forward this year. And um, I think they were trying to use him a little bit too much last year on the outside, kick him inside, let him operate as a three tech. That's what he is. Um, And he can work well with that role. He can be a a penetrator and a disruptor back in your backfield. So I, I like what Brandon brings. Um, He's got good size, six, three. He's not the heaviest of guys. So he's got to beat you with quickness to the spot, but he is a really talented player with his use of hands and um, his ability to get off blocks using those hands and being kind of, you know, violent with them a little bit at times. Uh, I do like him in the second round as well. I've got all these guys we're talking about in that second round territory as it stands. This is the this will be the last guy for me. That since we already got to to Leonard Taylor and Tyler Davis for me, but that's my grouping of the guys we've talked about so far. They're all in my second round. Right. Who's your uh, Who's your next? And do you have you have Dorless as a second round guy right now? Yes, I do. All right. Where's your next one you go to? Um, I think my next guy would be. Um... These next uh, three guys for me actually are kind of guys that have disappeared this year, but Mm -hmm. they're still kind of coasting off of their draft stock from before the season started a little bit. So I got Michael Hall Jr. of Ohio State. Uh, He's really been, I I, I barely noticed him this year. I I just haven't really noticed much. I don't think he's playing terrible. He's just not doing that much. I'm definitely down on him. I definitely have him in like that round three, starting to get to like round four area. But uh, I still put him around here. Yeah, I, I mean, it's he's got a good makeup, and he's going to have some decent production through his career coming out. But I do put him into more of a third-round range, and I do think that's where you land him at, probably late third round at this point. Uh, I do have a guy, Dwayne Carter, just a little ahead of him. He reminds me a bit of Jaron Reed. Um, not quite as much power of Jaron, but the ability to kind of move around and create pressures and be a guy that could one three tech and create pressures from either position. I like what he brings to it. Very smart and aware player. Um, but Carter, I've got just a little bit ahead, but both in my two third round grades. Yeah. Who's your other guy? Your last guy? Uh, my last guy is going to be this. Uh, this is another guy who I just haven't noticed that much this year. Mecky Wingo, the LSU guy. Him and Mason Smith. Just not a lot going on with either guy this year. And Aurora. Can we, ask, can we add him to the list too? Root, yeah, he, he's uh, my honorable mention here. Yeah. Um. I, honestly, I would probably put like guys like Nazir Stackhouse and your guy Corleone over guys like Mason Smith and Rook Orohoro now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wingo's had a disappointing year, hasn't he? Yeah. I don't think I've noticed him once this year. He's just there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's been weird. Him, uh, Mason Smith's another guy we thought kicked inside, and we're gonna get to see. He was a look. Got a lot of people thought he'd be a top ten pick, and he's. Got to be dipping down into probably like fourth round territory now at this point, if not deeper. Right. Um, which is just strange because a lot yeah. of people were so, so hyped up on him. 
Well, that's our um, that's our defensive tackle group, Brennan. It's a nice group for where we could potentially be picking. Oh, yeah. I think we're we're gonna get a good potential guy here that you can go through. There's not a lot of secondhand elements on this, isn't it? I, I it it's a definite position of strength in this draft. Quarterback, defensive line, I would say would be your two best positions. So the Hawks can definitely look to maybe dress in there if they want to find some guys. We're going to go to another one of the positions here that's going to be a bit of a quick one, and that's going to be defensive edge. So this can be a little bit of a lightning round to a degree because of the fact that Hawks have taken, much like the running back position, two second-round picks on the edges in back-to-back classes. You have Daryl Taylor still under club control for another year after this year, and you have Uchenna Nwosu still under contract. So it's not likely that the team is going to go out there and draft an edge. Let's go through the... Couple guys, top three guys on our list right now as they emerge, just to let the audience know so they can keep an eye on guys. Who's your number one edge as it stands right now? I change every week. This one's tough. I got three <laughs> guys kind of clustered together here. Yeah. Right now, this week, I go Dallas Turner is my top edge. Okay. I, I really, I, I mean, great player. I think he might go top 10. And if he does, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, another. One of the guys really holding up that Alabama team that is having some real problems this year offensively, him and uh, Malachi Moore, their safety. I really like both those guys. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I haven't paid super close attention to the edge guys, so uh, I go with uh, I Dallas Turner. Yeah, Turner's definitely got kind of a similar body being Alabama of Will Anderson. they both very thinly, yeah. thinly cut edges um they're not an, an ounce of, of fat on either of those guys and uh fairly good player as far as really more of a pass rusher to me than a run defender i got latu uh you know latu lay latu just ahead of him i i don't have either as being top 10 guys it wouldn't surprise me like you say if somebody has taken him there because they see the being an upside selection but as top 20 guys top 25 guys i see them more in that realm what i like about latu is that he's just been so consistent in creating pressures it's like every game it's like seven eight nine pressures a game off the edge he's also the highest graded edge in all of college football to go into addition of that i i think that that is noteworthy and this is two straight years of him putting this kind of production up uh, I don't know if he's going to go. He's a guy that I think there's going to be some varied opinion out there about where he should go. But I, I just think you can't deny that production from him. It's too good. Yeah, yeah. I got Law 2 as my number two right now for everything you just said. He's uh, His pressure rate is off the charts. Like, like it's it's uh, high, much higher than any other edge this year, I think. I don't know if it still is, but I think so. Yeah. I haven't seen it drop to any point. Every time I check in on him, it's like... So he's... He's uh, he has an understanding for how to get to the quarterback and his pass rush moves and his ability to use his hands and over. He's got every move in the book, Brennan. He takes the whole, you know, he's, he's got all the tools in there every time he goes out on the field, you know, and he can go to which, which tool do I need? What the wrench, the six, five wrench with the three inch. Okay. And I got to put the socket, which socket two thirds of an inch. Okay. <laughs> and then he's free. Uh, he's a, uh, he's, uh, he's a problem. He's going to be a problem. Let's talk about another guy that I think is going to be a problem. I don't know if this is your third guy. I'm going to take a guess and hope it is. You got to be a Husky homer somewhere here, Brendan. You can't be so unbiased everywhere. We got to get a little bit of bias in here. Um, a guy that's been a, a riser this year for me that I take went much like uh, Odunzie went from like a second round grade to more of a first round. This is another guy that's gone from a second round to a first for me as well. And that'd be Braylon Trice. Is that your third or you got verse up ahead of him? I got verse ahead of him. Although I'll tell you, verse has been pretty quiet this year. So it's very close. Yeah. Um, honestly, I thought Trice was quiet until pretty recently too. 
Uh, the uh, I thought the Huskies' strength would be pass rush this year, and for most of the year, it's been eh. So I will say I'm not crazy about the way either guy is playing. As of right now, I go Jared Verse, but it's it's close. Um, I, it can change by the end of this year. Let's put it that way. I think that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I do go with Trice. I, I like much with Latu, his understanding as a pass rusher of – you know, rather than like what you get with verse, which is first step quickness, let me get to my bend. First step quickness, let me get to my bend. And you see him doing that snap after snap after snap where it's, if he can't beat you to the edge, he's got not a lot else he can do or, or attack you with. Uh, good effort, but there's just there's nothing there technically he's bringing really to the table. Whereas with Bryce, like Latou, these are guys who understand how to rush the passer. They understand how to chain pass rush moves together or how to, how to call upon a counter if they're initially stymied. There's not a lot of that with Verse. He gets stymied and he's stopped. But I do like Verse. I do have all four of these guys with first-round grades, albeit with Trice and Verse, I would put him as more late first-round grades at this point. It's funny with Verse, too. I think he might have actually gone higher last year if he had come out of the draft versus where he's going to go this year, I think, because his stock yeah. was really high last season. You might be right. Well, let's push it then here forward. Do you have any other first-round edges, or is that your uh, – Maybe the Penn State guy, Robinson – What's his okay. name? Demi Owen Robinson, but I, I don't have him in the top like that now. Okay. Well, let's keep it moving because, again, I don't think these guys will be on our radar very much anyway. Um, let's go to a position that um, – let's actually – let's save middle linebacker because that's one we're going to go into deep. Let's go to a couple of these other positions that might be a bit quicker with. Um, let's go to cornerback. Another one, let's part part of a lightning round. Hawks are stock locked in barrel at cornerback. We're going to have okay. uh, Woolen and Witherspoon and Trey Brown back and Kobe Bryant back. So if we're going to get guys, probably not going to be taking a guy high. Who is your number one corner and where do you got him going in the draft? I got Kool-Aid as a top 10 guy right now. I think Kool-Aid goes in the top 10. It seems like um, teams taking cornerbacks in the top 10 has become a pretty common thing recently. You had two a couple years ago, and then you had, of course, Witherspoon this most recent year. I think Kool-Aid is going to be this year's version of it. Yeah, um, and another one, the Alabama corners have had some pretty good um, track record in recent years coming to the NFL. Um, Sertan, for instance, Trayvon Diggs. So there's also a bit of that, hey, maybe they've got a little bit of knowing how to train these guys up to get them NFL ready. And uh, he is a guy that does it all. Good tackler, good in coverage. Uh, you can ask him to do man and zone. I think he's he's fluent in being able to handle both. Really twitchy guy. Um, stop and start, everything you want from the position, and I agree with you. I believe that he's going to end up being a top 10 pick uh, pretty cleanly right now, I think, the number one corner in this draft. And if you're going to be named Kool-Aid, you're going to be a football player named Kool-Aid, you better be a good one. That's <laughs> He can't be a fifth-round pick named Kool-Aid. Yeah, can, can we get him on the Jets somehow so they can have sauce and Kool-Aid? <laughs> <laughs> that'd be fun that'd be hilarious mm -hmm. the nicknames man the nicknames uh number two corner for you um i guess it's gonna be wiggins of uh clemson uh another part of that clemson defense that is i think more or less living up to expectations um yeah. one of the few things where i'm not super down on the guy but uh i go wiggins of clemson six two guy uh, really good off press, really long arms, always in the right place in coverage off the film I watched with them, Brendan. Um, heady player. Um, you know, again, the size you like for the cornerback position, you don't always get out there. He can also, I think, you know, change direction pretty good, despite the fact he is a bit of a bigger corner. I've got him more as a second round grade. Where do you have him fitting in at? 
Um, I have him at like the back of round one or the top of round two, somewhere around there right now. Yeah, and to your point, we tend to see at least two or three cornerbacks taken in the first round. So um, he may end up elevating. Who's your number three? Uh, number three is tough. I think I'm going to go. I'm just going to go to that old reliable well of uh, of uh, Ohio State cornerbacks, and I'm going to say Denzel Burke for the time being. Again, I'm not looking super hard at cornerbacks this year. I'll just acknowledge that. But uh, let's go Denzel Burke. Okay. Denzel Burke, what do you like on him? Um, round two guy, a big physical, not, not, not in the, uh, Tariq Woolen way, but, uh, somewhere around there. Um, I, uh, I, I look at that and I see a guy who kind of has that swagger, someone who has the, uh, a little bit of hitting ability. I would, I would go with that. It's a great uh, selection. And like you say, you can't go wrong with, uh, Ohio state, uh, cornerbacks. I, I liked his tape. He's definitely really good in coverage. Um, good length to him on top of that. A little bit of my worry with him is just run defense. Didn't always look like he was interested on the tape and getting up there and sticking his nose in there. There were some times I felt like some business decisions being made out on the football field. Um, I had, uh, where do you have him as a first, second round guy? Just generally. Um, I have him second round. All right. And I've got uh, Nate Wiggins as the top of the second round. My number two corner on my list, by the way, was Kamal Haddon out of Tennessee. I really loved his athleticism. I loved his speed and quickness. I, I think he can run with anybody. Um, I think he's he he had a little bit of some dog in him in some of the tape I watched with some of the mentality he brought on the field. I felt like I've got him as a late first round grade. Uh, Kool-Aid's my top 10 guy, but I do have a late first round on Kamal. I do nice. really like a, a lot of what he's bringing to play. Um, and me and Brennan both have a little bit of a dip with a guy you guys might be – Wondering, what about King? What about King? We both have kind of dipped him down just a little bit. Yeah, I looked into that a little bit because, again, I'm not paying close attention to corners this year at all. Uh, he was somebody who was supposed to be up there with Kool-Aid, and uh, it's not uh, it's not happening this year. Let's put it that way. Not happening. All right, let's go to uh, two other positions before we get to the real meat of the, the ones we want to kind of talk about on this one, which would be middle linebacker. But let's go to uh, free safety, a position where I don't think we're likely to take somebody. But at the same point in time, we could certainly get out from under Quandre Diggs' contract this offseason. Then it's, you know, anything's possible at that point, right? Um, you know, definitely you could start to look to target that. Are we doing uh, – we're going free and strong? Are we just going to go safety on this one? Uh, let's go ahead and do free and strong. I think we can pull that off. All right. Give me your uh, number one free safety. Uh, had a pretty good game this last week, so let's go with Cameron Kinchins of the Miami Hurricanes. Um, I think he is probably a first-round guy. I had him near the uh, back end of the first round in my most recent big board. Um, I do think that he is a great ball hawk back there. I think that he, um, I think that he's going to be a guy who gets a lot of interceptions in the NFL. And I uh, I'm continually impressed with his ability to take away the deep zones when he uh, takes the field. Yeah, his coverage area might be second to none in this draft. Um, you talk about an Earl Thomas-like ability to cover the center field and to you know be a guy that basically in single high situations can operate like a cover two. Uh, you know, look, he op he's almost like two and one in what he brings to the field in his in his area, and he's got insane ball skills uh, where he's going to be able to go you know, take it away, high point the ball, you know, and, and be able to track it deep and, and be in the right position to make the catch. 
Uh, this this kid's a first round safety to me all day. Um, he may be a guy that when the more tape I watch Brendan, the more I rise him up. Whereas you know free safety, you don't tend to want to push that up very high because of the the value of the position and building that in. But he is just so good back there at what he does. Uh, it's going to be hard not to maybe elevate him in that way. And he's been coming, like you say, really on strong this year, um, already with a lot of heat on him coming into the year. And uh, I just love his game, man. He's a lot of fun to watch on the tape. Yeah. Number two for you. Uh, free safety. I got to go with the USC guy, Kalen Bullock. I actually have him close to a first-round grade. Not quite yet. Mm-hmm. But he's doing everything he can on that USC defense that is uh, really bad. And um, he his playmaking ability is the main reason why they're still nominally alive for even making a bowl game this year because their defense has been that bad. But um, another guy who takes away a pretty big zone uh, deep down the field. And yeah, second round pick. I, I mean, we don't have a second round pick, but if we did, I'd say that's about the right value for him. I put him as a second round grade as well. I've got it. He's, I like that. He's got the great size to him uh, that you don't necessarily get with kitchens six, three um, and very long. I'm, I'm almost guarantee you, Brendan, he's going to have probably 30, what 33 and a half inch long arms. Doesn't he look like he's got those go-go gadgets out there? This Bullock um, and the speeds there with him legitimately and how he can cover space. He also has the ball. He has some very similar ball skills to kitchens, not quite as good, but also some really good ball skills back there. The place that I ding him and why he's not maybe a first round talent or late first round talent is that the run block, the run, run defense and, and his willingness and want to play the run are, uh, yeah, not, not great. He's not the best of run defenders on that category mm-hmm. thing. So place for him to improve, but he is still a really good defender. Second round grades, right, man. I like it. Give me your number three. Uh, this one's tough. There are a couple of guys. I do like Andrew Makuba's potential, but he hasn't really been all that great this year. Uh, Cole Bishop has been really good for a great Utah defense. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to go with Malachi Moore of Alabama. He's been one of the things really propping up that lackluster Alabama team this year. Uh, really like his playmaking, really like the stuff that he does making plays in the backfield on top of his uh, ball hawking skills well-rounded all-around safety would be a great fit for a Fangio scheme I think great point yeah you can play the split safety looks and be able to do and accommodate all the deals um, as much as you and I like Bullock and Kitchens I think you would agree with me in saying that this is a kid that you can has more maybe the most complete game of these three guys is that a way I mean he's going to go much deeper in the draft but that he's got a little bit of that everything's well-rounded there is no real glaring not that there's a glaring part of any of these guys games but like I said Bullock run defense I might have a few of those same questions with Kitchens just a little bit I don't have any real questions with Malachi Moore and what he's bringing yeah I could I could get behind that uh I like him a lot too these are my one two three as well Kitchens Bullock Moore are my one two three on this one um I haven't done the deep dive like you were talking about on this because it's just not a position I think we're going to end up addressing when it all is said and done I think that Diggs probably ends up remaining here absent he just doesn't provide anything this year to them. And then they'll, they'll maybe make a move here. But if it was more that they landed on, I wouldn't hate it. He'd be a complete player. And I think he can start from day one on the football field. Uh, your number one, strong safety. Uh, my number one, strong safety. It's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Mr. Nubbin in Minnesota. Nubbin. Love He's him. Got them Nubbins. Yeah. Love him. God, is he a fun player to watch? Mm-hmm. Absolutely exciting, Brendan. Um, yeah. 
Another great Fangio safety, probably. Could be a definitely a Fangio safety. Can do it all. No doubt about that. Another guy like Kitchens, where Kitchens I have in the first round range. Do you have him right now second like I do, or do you have him elevated? Um, I have him actually at the back end of the first right now. Okay. And I might very well end up rising to that part of it um, because you watch the tape end of it and you just fall in love with the way the guy plays football. Um, he's everywhere, all around the ball. He's great in coverage. He seems to be assignment correct. You don't see him out of position. You don't see him flailing. He's under control as a player. He can hit. He can lay the wood. He can take away the ball. And he's doing this from the strong safety position mainly. But like you said, he's got some fluidity in how you can utilize him. Um, but he's been just for now 91 coverage grade this year for the uh, Minnesota and also the highest rated safety in all of uh, football, according to PFF and their analytics. So um, you're getting a really good player and a guy that I have second round, but very well might end up being pushed up in that first round range when I get to do a, a bit more of a deep dive on him. Really like his play, Brendan. He's a fun player. Very much. Uh, your number two guy. Uh, I'm going to go with Cooper Dijon. And this one's a tough one because he's not even playing safety this year, mm -hmm. but I do think he will end up playing safety. He's the Iowa guy. Um, I, uh, I, I, it's a lot of projection, but I like his talent. He's really fast. And I think that when he transitions over to safety in the NFL, he's going to be, he, he's going to be really good, but I, I don't have anything concrete to prove it. Uh, at this point, probably a round two guy. Yeah, a guy I do like as well. A fun player. I mean, no no doubt about that. Um, I mean, you can even on kick returns, he can even do that stuff, punt returns. Um, you know, he's gonna he can go and and handle all that. The issue, like you just mentioned, was that you just don't know where you're gonna put him at because he's being moved everywhere. They're kind of doing him a disservice and and moving him all over the places that it gets harder to project with which position the NFL is going to exactly fit into. You think he's going to do good once you put him here. You believe it's going to happen, but you're not really sure it is. And I don't, with as much as he plays, for instance, slot nickel corner, you know, in this defense, I don't think he's going to be able to do nickel corner stuff at the pro level. I don't think he's going to be twitchy and quick enough down there to handle that. So I'm, I'm a little worried with that. Five picks last year. He's got ball skills for days. Can't undersell that part of it. I do have him as my third strong safety. So even though I don't have him as number two here, I do have him as my number three. I do him as a third round value because of the fact that you do have to do so much of that projection versus knowing what you're getting. And uh, that's not his fault necessarily. He's just doing what I was asking him to do. But boy, I, he's just a man without position a little bit is how what I worry about here with him at the pro level. Possible. We see those guys pretty frequently. Absolutely, we do. Who will be your uh, final guy uh, in on this? And uh, I had a third round pick, by the way, in Cooper. You had him as a two? Um, yeah, I have second round pick rate on him. Yeah. And then who's I, our number three? I'm going to go with Javon Bullard of Georgia. When in doubt, go draft a defender from Georgia. Go Georgia. When, mm -hmm. <laughs> what do you like about Jonathan Bullard? He's got, I think he's another one of these versatile safeties. Like he's also doing some, uh, you know, deep zone drops. Like he had the game clinching interception against Missouri just a few days ago, actually. But, uh, he's also really good in the box. And he's, it's just like Georgia keeps churning out these safeties on like an assembly line. Like after Bullard, it's going to be Tyke Smith probably next year. And then after that, it's going to be somebody else. These guys, uh, these guys are good. So I'm going to go with Javon Bullard. I have him in like the third round right now. Really, really great coverage, strong safety. 
Uh, I, that's his unusual thing he really brings for me is that he really gives you a guy that uh, you, you can bring him up and match him one-on-one with backs and tight ends. And he's going to run step for step with those guys and stay sticky in coverage um, where sometimes those strong safeties can be a little bit lost when you put him in those kind of, uh, those kind of roles. Uh, I wonder a little bit with him as a run defender from the strong safety position, though. That's the place where I, I want to see him be a little bit stronger in tackling and in his instincts and how he plays the run. But he is a good, rugged defender, another one of these type of cats coming out of Georgia that we've seen. And uh, I do like his upside. I'm a little bit more in favor of Hicks because I like Hicks's upside. Jaden Hicks mm-hmm. out of Washington State. I, I feel like he's been a pretty... Um, He's been a very consistent player for him. He's a real fun player to watch. He plays smart, fast, and hard, which I love always watching that from players when that shows up on tape, snap in and snap out. Um, he's a real factor as a run defender. Um, the Wisconsin tape this year with him got me a little worried at times because he had some kind of just brain fart moments on the football field when he played in that game. But he got showed me enough on this where I feel like he'll probably be around a third-round kind of cat right in there where I got Cooper Dijon at and uh, like his upside. Yeah. Apparently, there's some reason to believe he won't come out until next year, Jaden Hicks, but I do like him. Uh, it could make sense. I mean, maybe he could elevate it. If I got him as a third-round pick right now, maybe he could elevate himself into a place of um, getting higher, you know, first-round kind of place by next year's draft if he comes back and has another really good year. Well, <laughs> let's turn this over to our final position grouping here, Brendan, and uh, the one that is like the defensive tackle position here, one that is likely to be one that we address, may be addressed multiple times over. But I would expect us somehow or some way to address at least early in the first three rounds, I would say. Um, and that would be the linebacker position. Maybe absent us re-signing Jordan Bobby, but I don't think we're going to do both of those two moves. Right. So let's go in and do a couple of these guys to finish on up. And uh, this is a strong group like the defensive tackle group. Very shades of that, isn't it, Brendan? It's a it's a pretty similar kind of crew in it and just being pretty strong. Maybe not star yeah. power, but strong. It's not as good as we thought it was going to be at one point. I'll say that, but it's pretty good. That's a fair way of putting it. And um, who is your first guy to start out the gate here on this? uh, Right now, I think I'm going with Barrett Carter of Clemson. I think he's the top guy. It's tough. There are a couple of guys that are kind of clustered around here. I had a hard time figuring this one out. But I think Barrett Carter has been the most consistent. He's held up well in coverage this year. For Clemson, I think he's my number one guy right now. And uh, Barrett is a guy that I do like. I'm not going to lie. He's been a bit of a drifter for me in my draft and where I've got him sitting right now. Um, You know, he just sometimes disappears on the tape to me. And, you know, just kind of like that. A lot of that Georgia defense, kind of a problem that Georgia defense with some of these players in recent years. Uh, Currently, he's rated 357th in PFF. Um, in their <laughs> rankings of linebackers uh, to kind of put that his year in perspective. And I mean, you can't just blame it on being a bad Clemson defense either, because if you look up at the PFF rankings, you've got Jeremiah Trotter Jr., another middle linebacker on that defense in the top 11. Or if you yeah. remove the ignore the minimum snap counts, he'd actually be like the fifth highest rated linebacker uh, in college football. So he provides the, he provides, it's, it's sort of like if you could make the two into one, like if you could take the Carter physical elements he brings along with Jeremiah's Trotter's ability to process and and all that and bring him in and put him into one player, you'd have a hell of a linebacker. But he's not, he does right now be more of a, to me, a project that you're, and you're taking kind of second round and that you're going to have to refine a lot of his game out and and fix some holes in his game to, to get, you know, the maximized version of him out. But he's a guy that could be a Jordan Brooks kind of will linebacker to me um, in a defense. 
Okay. Who's your number one? My number one is going to be Junior Colson. Junior Colson. I know that's not going to be the way for a lot of people on this. This is definitely one of my trying to get my notes here on this. Sorry. Give me a second. No problem. Sometimes it gets lost here. Um, goodness gracious. System's locked up here. Locking, locking. Yeah, I like junior. Colson. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. Um, I liked his overall game as a linebacker. I thought that what you need him to do as far as coverage, hit, run, tackle, he can do all of those things. He doesn't provide much as a run as a pass rusher, but I don't, that's fine. You know, we don't, that doesn't need to be the thing we look at the head of the line here. I want to see what you can do getting down in it. He's got back-to-back -back years of great production there for, for Michigan as the linebacker there. Um, good size, 6'3", 250. Um, good length. There's there's not really a negative part to his game that I see. It's just a very clean prospect. He's kind of like, it's funny, it's like Michigan got a couple of these players. We were talking about the right guard. He's like the equivalent of Zach Zinter for middle linebackers to me at, at, at that side. And I might be elevating him a little bit higher than I should as far as it goes, but it's just hard to find these kind of as complete players. You're Sometimes it seems like having to make the, the, the bite between coverage or tackling or coverage and run defense. And with him, you're getting both items, I think. I do like Junior Colson. There's a little bit of concern that I have with these guys who are surrounded by such elite talent. But uh, he does stand out to me in that he's another one of these Michigan guys who's just like really, really consistent. Just reliably from week to week. They always show up. They always perform. Um, I have Colson in round three edging up into round two. And Michigan's going to be playing some very important games coming up here. So he's got a great chance to bump up. Mm -hmm. But um, sometimes it's tough with these Michigan players because in a lot of these games, they're sitting on the sideline by the third quarter because they're mm -hmm. up by 8,800 points. It's true. So it's tough sometimes, but I like Colson too. Yeah. And I've got a, I don't have a high first. This late first to second is kind of in the spot where I'd early second would be the spot that I'd look at with him overall in that. Who's your number two? Um, this is a guy who just had an incredible game this most recent week. And I was a little cold on this guy for a lot of this season, but he's uh, starting to turn it on now. He did some awesome stuff in that game uh, on Saturday. It's uh, Trotter, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Uh, it was kind of a frustrating year for him. I have dropped him to round two, and I still have him there. I don't think he's a round one guy anymore. Um, but... Um, I do think that he's shown that he can cover. He was just kind of bumpy start. Mm -hmm. And uh, his pass rushing stuff is awesome. And I know pass rushing is the least of our concerns with an inside linebacker, but uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr., I like the fact that he's the son of a former really good NFL player. We talk about how that kind of stuff is good sometimes. So I still have him as linebacker too, even though he hasn't exactly blown me away this year. How tall you think he is? They list him in six foot. What do you think he really is? Yeah, doing? he's probably more like 5'10". I am worried about that, believe me. But yeah. I'm taking the good with the bad here. Yeah, and I've got him as uh, my third linebacker, but we are in agreement as far as him being a second-round guy. Um, rough start to the year or a little bit of a, a just a bumpy road to the start. He's come on. I think he had a pick six this last week or the week before in coverage, and that's yeah. where he's really come mm -hmm. forward. Yeah, he I had two sacks, three tackles for loss, and a pick six. Yeah, that's that's nice. Um, and he's he's it's good to see him coming along. A guy that is this is a guy also the testing numbers are going to matter to me 
Um, if he comes out there and he's five, nine and a half, five, ten, that might matter a bit. If he if he is gonna go out there and run a four, five, five, four, six, forty at five, ten, I might get a little worried here with Trotter on that. But what he does bring to the field, and he is certainly the son of a pro, uh, of a real great pro. I mean, hell, I think the son of a coach uh, who was a pro. Um, but he's, he understands how to play the position. His instincts are next level, a solid tackler. He can get eaten up on blocks because of his size from time to time, but he's got a good dip and rip move to get free of it most of the time. And uh, I really love what he brings in coverage, which is maybe as much as anything when we look at linebackers anymore, Brennan, we've got to start to maybe provide a little, give that a little bit extra more weight than we would normally. Whereas maybe 20 years past, you went, well, how do they play the run first and foremost, right? When you right. look at linebackers. Um, so I uh, I do like what he's done this year. I do see him as a second round guy. Do like him quite a bit. My, uh, my number two guy was uh, Edrin Cooper out of Texas A&M, um, the current highest graded guy in college football by PFF at the linebacker position. I just talked a little bit about coverage mattering. Well, coverage matters quite a bit when this kid's coming in with a num- nearly 92 coverage grade and it shows up on the field. He can run with anybody. He's got size and length. He drapes like nobody else. There's just no holes or openings in coverage. Nobody's getting any separation on this guy in coverage. He flips his hips really well. He's very fluid moving in space. His eyes are always very active to the quarterback. He's just got a good intuition for the position in really seeing things clearly and picking and doing it and be it zone or be it a man. He seems to be good in both to my eyes. Um, really loved what I saw from him as coverage. And he brings 6'3", 230. He's bringing the prerequisite size. He's got the dimensions that he brings to the table. And then not bad as a run defender, almost an 80 grade there. He's not a hammer or anything else. He's going to get the job done. He's a good tackler. It's not going to be flashy, but it's it's good. It's It will work at the next pro level. Um, and so this would be a linebacker pick or a kind of linebacker you're looking about, in my opinion, of where the game is going for what you're going to want from the position in the future versus what you wanted from the position 20 years ago. Yeah, I need to look more into Edron Cooper. He's not somebody who's been on my radar, but I do know that a lot of the uh, draft people are starting to really gear up on him. Yeah, I just, he, he really flashed the first second I turned on the tape with him and it, it kind of clicked with that one pretty quickly on me and watching him. I think it will with you too. And, and the more you watch on him is just, it, it's not hard to see what he does good and not a lot of holes in his game. And the size is legit, which, as we've seen with some of the linebackers in recent years, your Ivan Pace types a year ago, who's having a good year for Minnesota, but um, they just we've had a lot of lot, lot, lot like we've had a lot of five nine five ten wide receivers coming out in recent years, even at the at the top of the draft. We've had a lot of undersized middle linebackers in recent years too, um, and so it's a great trend to see some of these guys a little bit more bigger that kind of check all the boxes. Who is your um, number third linebacker on your list? Uh, let me check here. My number three. Well, there is a guy who I think recently just got hurt. So let's just scratch him off for a second here because I think it's a pretty serious injury. So I'm not sure how I feel. So I am going to actually go with uh, Cedric Gray here. Um, there are some concerns about his testing. Like he might have a really slow 40 time. But he is consistently making splash plays all over the field for a UNC defense that really doesn't have anything else like he is putting the team on his back in a almost like a Luke Keekley kind of way I feel like at times um I think his coverage has come a long way this year even though it's sometimes occasionally not great he's had some pretty bad games in coverage but honestly he's providing a lot of different things he's rushing the passer he's um going sideline to sideline I I if he tests decently well I, I think he's around three guy and I, I like him. 
Yeah, I've got him a little bit higher. It's it's where the mid linebackers for me kind of fit like the defensive tackles. I'm sort of in. Maybe I should be pushing more of them in the third round like you are a little bit on this. Um, you might be seeing a little bit clearer than I am with it. I like that he also has two years of really good production, you know, where the, he also did this last year too. Mm-hmm. So you're not just getting the one year of it. Uh, another guy with good size at 6'2", 235. So another guy that's going to be able to move. I think you're right to say, how's he going to run? Is it a four six five four seven ish kind of thing? Or is he going to be able to, you know, clock up a little bit faster? And that might determine whether he is a second or third round, you know, kind of cat. Um, they've even tried at times, he's got like 52 snaps out of the slot this year, Brendan. You know, they've utilized him even as that kind of cat at, at times in the defense. So he's got some versatility in the coverage yeah. grades up at, at 76, playing that slot position at times. That's not exactly being put out at times to put a position for success if you're a linebacker. So um, him doing that and succeeding in that role is really good. And even at 68.4 run defense ain't bad. He's he's held up over there. And like you said, some of that's also a bit the failings of the UNC defense overall, where it's yeah. not necessarily as the most talented of groups. But uh I like him as well. Um, as I was saying on the, the one there, I have Junior Colson, Cooper, Trotter. So Trotter would be my guy here where you've got it in, but but then it basically would go Colson or uh, it would go Cedric Gray after that. So we're we're kind of in close alignment on this one. Okay. Who's your uh, next guy? Uh, my next guy would be Junior Colson. I have Junior him in round three. So okay. we already talked about him. He's a guy who has a real good chance to move up, I think, though, because he's going to be – I mean, Michigan's going to make the playoff, and honestly, I think they're going to win it all. So he's going to be front and center. You think they're going to win it all even when they can't cheat anymore? Mm, I think they're going to get away with that until the end. I think uh, the college football will like brush it off until after the season's over, let them get their championship, and then they can take it away later, but no one will care because you can't actually take away a championship. You can pretend to, but you can't actually yeah. take it away. Like, it still, it still counts. It, it mm-hmm. still counts. Yeah, I agree on that. Um, my guy would be uh, Maurice uh, Liaufu, if I can mm. pronounce his damn name right. Um, let me bring up my notes. Sorry, getting my notes brought up here. I thought I had my notes in here and they buried on it, but um, they're not coming up here. Sorry, one second. No problem. It gets lost this here. Is, uh, uh, yeah, this is actually not a guy I'm familiar with, though, so you're going to have to fill me in here. Uh, Notre Dame cat on a Notre Dame defense. The When I watch Notre Dame defense, I just kind of like what I see from them. They run, they hit, um, they tackle, um, and he seems to be, a, to me, kind of a reflection of that. Uh, another linebacker, good-sized guy, 6'2", 240, bringing that to the table. Another guy that like you'll see me kind of gravitate towards. Maybe coverage is a little bit better than the run defense, but the coverage stuff is really, really good. And uh, I love how he does his spot drops and the reading of the quarterback's eyes and the feel and zone to get to the right place where the quarterback's going to. Something that he's kind of got to his game that sets out in in coverage more so than the other guy I was talking about. Just kind of more of a get, he gets in there tight, like I say, and kind of a draper. Like Cooper, Cooper was more of kind of a draper type. This guy to me is maybe more of a guy you you let him drop in his zone, feel it, and he'll kind of feel to the right area. Trotter's that guy too, where Trotter's mm-hmm. kind of a, a feel guy in zone, where he just his instincts are always going to kind of set him into the right to read, uh, right place, and he can do that thing where he's watching the quarterback's eyes and moving his feet at the same time into the right direction. Where we have guys like Jordan Brooks sometimes, where if they start to look at the quarterback, their feet will come to a stop, <laughs> and then that's how these guys start running through their zones really free and easy. But um, also uh, gives you a little bit of thump. He'll lay a couple hits on the football field from time to time. So he's a bit of a hitter too out there. Um, he might be more of a guy I slide third round when I really dive a bit in. He was just, he jumped out to me initially on the tape. 
And uh, I like how he's progressed at Notre Dame. He's gotten better every single season that he's been there. But uh, I think a pretty good player. Got, got an interesting cat. Who's your next okay. linebacker? Um, I'm going to go with Smael Mondin Jr., Georgia. Uh, apparently, he just recently like broke his arm or something. I wasn't aware until, until earlier today. But um, not uh, not much to say here other than that it's just another Georgia linebacker. They're a, they're a factory down there. Um, he and uh, Dumas Johnson team up. I like Mondin more of the two. And um, he's just an all-around solid linebacker. I don't have anything remarkable to say about him. He doesn't have, like, the pass-rushing wizardry of a Trotter Jr. So he's more like a round three, maybe even round four guy for me. But I like him well enough in that area. He's an, he's an upside guy who just has not, to me, realized it yet there Georgia. That's my thing with Schmel. Um, It's sad that he hit the, the the broken alarm. You'd like to see him finish up the season a little bit stronger because I, I don't think he was well-graded and – there are times that he does disappear on the tape. I do have him kind of equally graded in the same place as Jamon Dumas Johnson, his teammate. I got them both in kind of a late third round area of things. And it's more about the upside than it is about what they've done on the field with them. If I was being honest, yeah. uh, my guy's Danny Stuntsman of mm. Oklahoma. Um, a guy that's kind of come along this year to me, um, Oklahoma, you know, they don't play defense in the big 10 unless you're Michigan or Ohio state. Uh, but he's a guy that does, he's done what he can do with Oklahoma there as, as far as his work goes. I think he's a fairly well-rounded player. He's just kind of a football player a little bit in his mentality out there. Love his instincts, love his awareness on the football field. I, I don't think that there's a huge amount of holes to his game other than maybe he's not the most fleet of foot in coverage, but he does have length that then he counters that with. So 6'4", 240, and he's got some size to him. So he can at least then, you know, if he isn't step for step, he's got the length to get the hand in there and knock something away. And he's got that awareness. And, you know, if he, he's not going to be – he'll get his head turned around on throws in coverage at times. Love him more as a run defender, I think, than the pass coverage. But um, I think he is a complete player overall, and he's really come on strong this year. A guy that I'm going to be watching closely on how he tests, Brendan, because a guy that, again, if he's if he's running really slow, that's going to dip him down because you're worried about that part of him at the pro level. But if he can run fast, if he can test with the quickness and the three-cone stuff quick and, and show up in that realm, then you start to feel like, okay, I can project him a little bit higher now as we go forward. Yeah, I feel like him and Cedric Gray have a lot in common. Like they're mm -hmm. both uh, guys who need to test well, but they're all over the place for their respective um, defenses, and they're one of the few good players on that uh, on on those defenses. I think it's a great point. It's it's that thing you go to of the guy's just a football player, but you you do reach that line, don't you? Of he can be a good football player, but he's also got to have the prerequisite physical ability to where that that headiness only takes you so far at the pro game right and that you've got to have some of that that physical ability also mixed within there a bit to to allow you to be a pro player and to be a good one at that point and I'm, I'm worried with Danny on that but the tape is really fun and you know you go between him and watching guys like Eichenberg and from an instinctual standpoint and what they're doing out there and the lack of disappearing versus this guy showing up all over the field and sideline to sideline and all that um I really like Stuntsman's game yeah Give me, uh, give me one more final linebacker on your list that uh, you like stands out to you. I'll do the same on mine. Well, um, I, I'm of a couple different minds here. There's, there's Eichenberg, who I don't hate, but I'm not super impressed with him this year. And I think that because of the Ohio State pedigree, he's going to go in like round three. And I think you can do a little better than that in round three. And then you have a guy like a Jalen Ford who I don't think is as good as Eichenberg, 
but I also think there there's better value there. So I'm I'm gonna let, let, let's talk about Jalen Ford for a little bit because he's really good in coverage. In fact, he might even play safety in the NFL. Like that's I think very possible. They're hammering um, him on the coverage this year, by the way. Really? That's that's interesting because they got him five twenty seven on six sixty three. Uh, Okay, I'm going to have to dig into that a little bit here. But uh, to me, he's like a linebacker that may end up converting to safety. But he's been a real playmaker this year for that Texas defense. So, um, yeah, Jalen Ford, I think, is uh, intriguing as like a project. Uh, I like him quite a bit as well. I'm behind on my get the banner fixed here. You need to tell him slacking on the banner. My bad, Brendan. Um, I, I like him a lot as well. That's my guy I have in the spot is Jalen Ford here, Brendan. So I'm with you on that. I think too, his coverage grades are more a bit of instinct stuff rather than physical ability stuff. Like he, he's got the goods to be able to move in space and, and potentially even make that transition if maybe he lost some weight to roll that way. Um, but he is, uh, I think a little more of a tantalizing guy. I think you're also right about this over Eichenberg because I think Eichenberg's kind of a finished product. I think in Ford, you have a little bit more of a mold of clay that you can kind of develop that fair assessment of it. Yeah, there's definitely a project here, but, you know, we might have that time. If we bring back Wagner and Devin Bush, those might be your starters next year. And then you've got a year to bring Jalen Ford up to speed. That's right. No, I could uh, I could definitely see that as well with it um, for sure. Um Jason, give it two. Let me see. We got a got a donation here. Let me get this in. Snail, thank you for the two dollar donation. Says, what do you think about Jaden Hicks? So I think I probably missed your dono back at seven thirty seven. Yeah, we just covered that with Hicks. So I'm hoping Snail, you caught me saying what I did about Hicks. So I've got him as my third rated safety. Brennan's a little bit lower on me. Brennan thinks I think that he might go back to college another year. Um, I just think he's a fun player. That's a that's a football player, and uh, I like just the way he and he sees the game and how he processes. Um, he's not caught off guard. Usually he's usually in the right position. The coverage stuff in Wisconsin threw me off. So there were some easy completions. He gave up in that game that I thought he was a little better in coverage at times and expect a little bit better, especially against Wisconsin, which is not exactly throwing deadly playmakers at you right and left. So, um, I like his game. I think he's a a complete safety for the position. Um, I think he certainly could be a target for our Hawks potentially if they were to, you know, move on. I don't think they're likely to be targeting strong safety. We're, if we're going to target a safety, it's probably going to be more of a free safety than strong safety at this point, I would think. But um, with that said, he's a good player. And if he comes out, I think he's probably a third round rated guy snail on that. Thank you for that uh, donation, though. Appreciate you. You guys are all very kind on the donos tonight. So I want to say thank you for that. Well, I think that uh, <clears throat> gets us through pretty well, Brendan, uh, on our list of our, our list of these guys that are emerging at this point. We're starting to round up a little bit more and get a little bit more of, uh, you know, by the time we get to draft season, man, we're going to be about a, well over 100 names and deep into this. So it, I think it's going to definitely help us out. That's part of why I want to do this early, folks, is to get out in front of this to be able to be even more, much more better prepared once we do get into draft season and our understanding of these guys and where they're at and where their progression's been. Because progression's a big part, isn't it, in college football? It's not about the end point you're at necessarily, but how'd you get to that end point? Did you grow as a player? Are you the same player you were when you walked in the door in college or when you where you were you started out the year at? Or have you actually taken some steps forward? And I think that's what this gives us a chance to do by doing these uh, shows in this way, Brendan. Yeah, exactly. This is uh, going to make it very easy to segue into draft mode when the season is over and we're trying to figure out what happens in the draft. Amen. 
Amen. Well, you guys, we got over three hours in here. We went end to end on all of these draft prospects. Hopefully gave you guys a little bit of a better idea and a better understanding as to what we're going to be doing, what we're going to be looking at in this upcoming draft. Definitely we're going to have a couple of little holes to fill here, but we've got the players in the right positions at the right positions of strength to where we should be able to fill them out with where we're sitting and uh, where our team's looking at right now, Brendan. One thing's for sure too, depending on what we do in free agency, we might be coming into this draft with not a whole hell of a lot of many needs necessarily, which right. will only give us that much more flexibility to operate from what that value standpoint that they've been operating from for the past couple of years. BPA. BPA, baby. BPA. That is the way. That is the guiding light. That is our North Star. And it needs to remain so, so we can keep knocking these drafts out of the park. I want to thank first and foremost, Brendan, for making extra time, not some normal time, but even extra time out of his day here doing a special Wednesday show here with me this week. Really appreciate you, brother, for hanging on in here with me for three hours and busting, breaking down these prospects on this side of it. Uh, folks, do, if you haven't already, Seahawks, Brendan Nelson. That's the name. Go over there to his channel here on YouTube. Make sure you're subbed up to there. We're doing two shows a week and an extra show every once in a while for you guys just because we like you, just because we're nice like that sometimes. So uh, we're going to be bouncing back here tomorrow night with a preview show of uh, this, this Washington Commanders game and looking at this matchup between these two teams. So we will be back at 8 o'clock tomorrow. I want to thank everybody here for watching. Please do hit that like button, sub up here if you're not already subbed up here. And uh, thank you for hanging in with us on. So again, no, these are a little bit of a kitschy shows or certain separate shows from what we normally do, but that's right. what we want to do. It's all about keeping Only the real ones come out for this. You that's gotta right. Be, you got to be super into this kind of stuff. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, appreciate you, Brendan. Uh, thank you, man, brother. As always, appreciate you guys for watching out there in, in Seahawks land. Uh, we'll be back in just uh, now just under 24 hours. And you'd hope that they wouldn't forget in 24 hours, that they wouldn't get their mind caught up in other items. But we're in the midst of the NFL season. Your team has got this year fully within its grasp, still can go out there and accomplish some great things. So I hope I don't have to remind you to remember that you got this team still hunting. I, maybe you bailed. I mean, maybe you maybe you bailed after last week. Well, I'm bringing you back in the fold. Brendan's bringing you back in the fold. Do not bail. Do not jump off the bandwagon. You're jumping off. I'm holding Brendan by his ankles. He's catching you as you jump off. We're pulling you back on, okay? That's the way that this is going to work. Nobody's getting off this thing. Not yet. So keep it at the forefront of your mind, my fellow Seahawks faithful. That's faithful with a capital F. And please, don't you ever forget. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.